everybody out there? It's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in on the things, places, characters, and concepts from that galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Mac, and I'm joined by my fellow Clone Wars campaigner, Ross. Mac. Boy, it's great to see you in person again. It feels like it's been so long. <laughs> it has. It feels like a long time. <laughs> You've been at the Outer Rim sieges. I've been fighting in the Mid Rim. We're just busy guys. Is there no end to this war? There is no end in sight. But maybe, just maybe... maybe. There could be. And that's what we're here to talk about tonight. One of the final um, ancillary battles of the Clone Wars, the mm-hmm. Siege of Mandalore. This is uh, something that I have really been looking forward to, and I mm-hmm. know you have too, Mac. But there's a special reason we're doing it this week. Why is that? Well, as of recording, you guys will hear this a few days later, but it is the 12th anniversary of the start of Clone Wars, the TV show. Now, in August of 2008, the movie came out, giving us all a taste of the characters Mm -hmm. we're going to mess with. But Star Wars, on a weekly basis, started on October 3rd, 2008. And 12 years later, we are talking about the end of the Clone Wars. And it's kind of a wild ride the series has taken. I'm sure pretty much everybody (laughs) listening to this show has uh, been around for part or all of the journey. You know, Mm -hmm. Disney Plus making this final season accessible to so many has really driven the show, I think, to new heights of popularity. Uh, If you are someone who has only watched the last season, I, you know, highly, highly recommend going to StarWars.com, finding the chronological order Mm -hmm. of the episodes and giving them a watch from start to finish because there are some truly, truly amazing episodes in there um, and tons of great content. And the great thing is, if you like a prequel character, there's a good chance they get an entire story arc somewhere along the way. So no matter who you're a fan of from the prequel era, chances are they're in there. And this has become one of the biggest chunks of Star Wars lore because there's just so much of it. We have on and off 12 years worth of episodes. Mm -hmm. So if you go to Galaxy's Edge and you see Hondo, well, that's a character that started in the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. If you start seeing, you know, people's fascinations with troops. I mean, people like the fighting 501st like troops, but it went to a whole new level when the Mm -hmm. Clone Wars started going Mm -hmm. on. And, And, you know, kids have grown up on this. I remember being so mystified of like, I don't know if we can handle this much Star Wars, like new episodes, like for like six months out of a year, like (laughs) that might be too much Star Wars. Little did I know Mm -hmm. if you pace yourself, there's no such thing as too much Star Wars. No, I think I'm at a point now. I'm almost 30. I'm confident enough to say that there is not a thing as too much Star Wars. I've, I have been a Star Wars fan for too long as too big of a part of my life that I don't think it's possible. In fact, this year is the first year ever I was telling Mac that I didn't mm-hmm. go through a Star Wars burnout, mm. um, which is mm-hmm. odd because of how I felt after leaving The Rise of Skywalker. You would expect it, but even uh, even after that, I still was more jazzed on Star Wars than I've ever been. And you know, now we're entering a time period where lots is happening in Star Wars, even though we don't have any uh, new animated show right now. There's still a lot going on, so it's a great time to be in this universe. Always in motion, the future is. <laughs> mm, that's and right. So whether you are brand new, you just caught it when Disney Plus brought it to your screen uh, last fall, or whether you've been a fan of Clone Wars and been here for the whole 12-year journey, we're about to talk about a completely open, spoiler-full 
episode by episode um, breakdown of this, let's be honest, it's movie, this finale movie yeah. in four parts. So if you have not watched it, I beseech you, do not listen to this yet. <laughs> if you have watched it, it might be good to watch it again, just get refreshed, because we're going to go in about as deep as we go on anything going into these episodes. Yes, we will. So The Siege of Mandalore is coming up right after this. Friends, not forgotten. Part one of the Siege of Mandalore arc, written by Dave Filoni, directed mm-hmm. by Dave Filoni and Saul Ruiz. Saul, Saul, Saul. I think it's S A U L. Saul. I, I know I've heard it in my ears before, but Saul, Saul Ruiz. So, but I mean, let's be honest. This is the 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 masters of the Clone Wars coming in and writing the finale to twelve years of their life. Yes, yeah. I mean, this is everything that Ahsoka was working towards as a character. This is her yes Jedi trial moment. I mean, I know we had her season five sort of initial finale. Yes, where she had sort of what Anakin described to her as her trials. You know, Anakin and Yoda. Um, you know, were welcoming her back, wanted her back, and she decided to leave the order. And so now we're finally seeing, after her little excursion, you know, with the Pikes, um, <laughs> her kind of coming to her. What is her final test? You know, her her final bit of uh, mission here. So basically, um, let's talk about where this episode starts because Ahsoka is the who this arc is all about but we don't actually start with ahsoka here do we no. we start with some other characters i've already mentioned it but like this four episode arc mm-hmm. is a movie in the traditional style yeah. stories and it uses a lot more of the visual vocabulary and sound landscape of a star wars film and we start like every like you know really oomphy star wars movie does echoing what this is mostly referring mm-hmm. to episode three of we start off with a punchy battle we start off with this suspension bridge. Before you even said that, I thought you were going to mention the Lucasfilm logo. Oh, that's true. I yes. thought that's what you were talking about. Uh, yeah, we start off with the Lucasfilm logo, and we have some of that you know, initial fanfare music. Uh, and we have the Clone Wars going mm-hmm. into the background. Yeah, we in have the a- red, in the red style, which we've seen before during some of the other seasons of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. And also, no narration, no fortune cookie. We're just diving right in. Yeah, we yeah we are assembled like a movie, and and again it reminds me of the Battle of Coruscant at the beginning of Episode Three. Of we start in the middle of a pitched battle where mm-hmm. Kenobi and 
uh, Cody are like pinned down on the suspension bridge yeah, and they're, they're trying to figure out how to get to this tactical droid because they can't seem to advance on this position. <laughs> yes, the droids are on this stronghold on the bridge that Cody, the 212th, are being pinned down. A missile is coming down, about to blow Cody away. And Obi-Wan just comes in like a superhero, strikes mm-hmm. the missile down with his saber and strikes this uh, action pose, you know, yep. perfect shot. It's great because it's just, you know, like this action hero moment that is meant to not only be a fun moment to watch and a cool looking moment, but it just kind of like it's fun to show like these Jedi in the Clone Wars, these prequel Jedi are these superheroes. That's how we think of them. They're so powerful in the way that they're battling because now they've spent years at war and that's not what they're meant to do. So now that they're in that habit, you know, it isn't inconceivable to understand why these Jedi would be so much more capable in battle than other Jedi we see. War does not make one great, but these are the greatest warriors of the Jedi. For three years, they've been fighting this war and no longer Mm. do they have quibbles about like, should we or should we not be generals? What's it like to lead true? We're seeing Kenobi being an avatar for the Jedi of they will win this war if there wasn't the plane from both mm-hmm. sides in the shadow. They have led these troops to success. Mm-hmm. And this is double emphasized when Obi-Wan's like pinned down. He's like, oh, dang it, where's Anakin? And then Anakin just sort of strides up, like side dodges a blaster bolt and basically yeah. is like, oh, well, Master, after we got done fighting uh, our battle, we thought we'd come over and help you with yours. <laughs> We could just wait down there with you, or uh, we could get this happening so that people don't have to suffer any longer. What would you like to do, Master? <laughs> it's great, because we see that episode three banter between yeah. them. The, mm-hmm. the the no longer Master and Prince, but the very brother-like relationship yeah. that they have. Yeah, the peer relationship of two men who... Um, well, not only care about each other, of course, whether they can admit that to the Jedi or not, but, you know, respect and understand and both, I think, learn from each other still. You know, I think Anakin obviously learns from Obi-Wan, but I think Obi-Wan learns from him all the time. And we see that in some of Obi-Wan's behavior in the mm-hmm. Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Obi-Wan's this interesting character and we're not going to really see them again. So I want to touch on it here. But yeah. Obi-Wan is this interesting character, this kind of meld of Qui-Gon and um, uh, Yoda. I mean, you know, he wants to be wise. He is powerful. He has all these right beliefs, you know, that he, he follows the Jedi code. He's a respectful member of the council and all that. But he's also rebellious in his own way. He, he knows the council isn't always right. And that comes from being a student of Gwygon. So Obi-Wan, who was always this straight-laced type of character, you know, the reason he became such an impressive Jedi is because he had mentorship from both and, of those, you know, masters. And I'll have a mention of that a little bit later, of just the fact that Obi-Wan always wanted to be the respectful council member. Yeah but never really can commit to it because his life experiences him taught him differently. Yeah, it's well it's a, it's the combination of both that I think leads him to be such a successful mentor to Anakin as mm-hmm. well. But ultimately, you could maybe say that is part of the reason Anakin falls is because Obi-Wan isn't more strict with him or, you know, a different well, type of teacher. Now, of course, that's all speculation. Well, we can tell that Obi-Wan has a blind spot to Anakin where Mm -hmm. he trusts that Anakin has been taught all the right things because Mm -hmm. 
when Obi-Wan has been stuck between Qui-Gon's Maverick and following the council, Obi-Wan's always gone to the council. So he assumes that he's instilled that in Anakin. And we're going to find that that didn't happen. Yeah. But the other thing that I think is really important about seeing these two guys together and having their banter is this weighs a lot more than when we saw it in episode three in 2005. We felt that like, oh my gosh, these guys fought a war together. They're, mm-hmm. they're friendly with each other. There's no more of that like, you know, Obi-Wan scolding Anakin and Anakin not you know, having to earn the trust of Obi-Wan, like they've balanced each other out. But now we have had 12 years of a TV show to fill in every little detail Mm -hmm. of that. So it's not just in our imagination. Right. And that's what this feels like is just a sort of Mm -hmm. just a, a lovely little moment of celebrating these two characters. And we see that Anakin has his arrogance that he is getting (laughs) to towards the end of the Clone Wars. But now Anakin. Yeah, he's like, well, Master, you know, I'm going to fight this battle for you. Well, where's Rex? Uh, he's around. He'll be here. Yeah. So, he's hanging around somewhere. <laughs> so Anakin walks out. All of the battle droids see him. They're targeting him. They're shooting at him. He's dodging blaster bolts very confidently, very casually, uh, very reminiscent of Luke at the end of uh, The Last Jedi, which is a really cool, you know, parallel. Just kind of that mm-hmm. same utter Swagger. confidence, which is just it's fantastic. And he's like, I'm here to surrender. You guys are just too good. Yeah. There's just no way we can beat him. And we're and you're trying to figure out what's going on here. And then yeah. you see the little periscope of R2. And yeah. he rolls down the bridge and you see that Rex and all the 501st is suspended underneath the bridge yeah. waiting for a signal. And then you start hearing in the soundtrack the the dumb done <laughs> the the kind of like anticipate yeah tory like beats we heard when luke is hatching his plan yeah. at the sail barge of like beat 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 and then something crazy is gonna happen i really wish they wouldn't have showed us r2 and rex there and then the rest of the 501st under the bridge i wish that would have been the surprise of just them coming up from the sides much like how we we well, I, I'm going to guess them, them tipping the hand, just like we see the, the lightsaber pop out of R2's head of like, yeah. wait, what? There is a plan. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Giving your mind time to and, and grasp so it and go they with call it. out yeah. the tactical the droid. The tactical droid comes out like, what, what's happening? Oh, Anakin Skywalker is going to surrender. What? You idiots. <laughs> and then the command goes in. The 501st just bursts out with jet troopers coming up around the bridge and just start massacring it. Anakin kills the tactical droid. Yeah, and he the force pulls them towards him, completely it's... destroys him. And that's that. The battle's over. And then as they're fighting, you know, Rex, the 501st, come out to save the day. Uh, Yularen calls one of our recent topics mm-hmm. and tells Anakin that he has a mess- message from Fulcrum. Now, to mm-hmm. Fulcrum right now, this is, you know, Saw Gerrera. He was yes. the one using that code name last. But no, Yularen says, not Gerrera. You better take this on the ship. And Anakin returns to the ship to see Ahsoka and Bo-Katan on hologram. And he is staggered. Yeah, he's blown away. Because, you know, it's been however many months uh, since Ahsoka left the Order, and they've had no Mm -hmm. contact. Mm -hmm. And Anakin is just, you can see in a way that we as the audience relate to, the attachment. It's, he, I'm going to say, he sees his daughter for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And he's beyond excited. He's like, oh my gosh, Ahsoka. Uh, how are, how are, are you? Yeah. <laughs> are you okay? Like, yeah. it's great to see the wave of emotions Matt Lantern puts in there as he just goes like, it's you. Are you okay? Did someone hurt you? Where are you? <laughs> huh. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it really is. It really, really is. And of course, Ahsoka is, uh, you know, rightfully cold to him a little bit. You know, we don't have time for this right now. We've located Maul. And so this reunion of that of theirs is uh, is kind of initially cut short a Just little bit. Just brushed off. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, let's see here. Where were we? Sorry, next- I lost my place in my notes. Well, the next thing I have is Anakin and Obi-Wan walking through the hangar bay to meet yes, them. Yes, yes. So now they've arrived on the ship. And there's this great moment of Anakin telling Obi-Wan of like, well, this is it. This was the Force's plan. Obviously, she mm-hmm. couldn't be where she needed to be if she would have stayed with the Order. And now she's going to fulfill her plan. She can come back to the Order. Everything will be right the way it was, like is the subtext of what he's saying. Yes. And Obi-Wan's like, well, I don't know about that. What do you mean you don't know about that? He's like, uh, I don't know, Anakin. Call me cautiously optimistic. <laughs> And we see that much that wisdom has really installed itself in Obi-Wan. There's mm-hmm. a reluctance for him to trust this gift horse. Yeah, well, he knows that he can't. So, I mean, essentially what they're asking, what Ahsoka is asking for here. Yeah. Her and Bo basically say that Maul is on Mandalore. He's in the city of Sundari. They know he's there. They know he hasn't left yet. And if they move quickly, they think they can capture him. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't have the troops to siege the city because the city's on lockdown with all of Maul's Mandalorian troops led by Almack and Gar Saxon, who we'll see in a little bit. So she is asking the Republic for troops, for a legion of troops. And Obi-Wan basically says, you know, his feelings for Satine and the situation can't get in the way. And the council must decide if the Jedi are going to be involved. Yeah, she, she, uh, when he's like, like, you know, what's another war? He's like, well, we, and he's like, we got to finish the first one first. And Obi-Wan's like, this is all it is. It's like, I thought Satine meant something to you, goading Obi-Wan. And he just sort of comes back of like, she does. She still does. And he shows the thing that he hopes Anakin has learned, which we know he hasn't, which is the, but I can't let my feelings cloud my judgment on this. I have to go through the right channels. Yeah. And uh, Ahsoka knows, as does Anakin, I'm sure, as does Bo, that that is a, uh, you know, too long of a a time to wait. That is a a death wish. You know, they will not get to Maul in time if they wait. And it's it's great because Obi-Wan multiple times during this, this arc will kind of show the downfall of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. their inability to see the future. The fact the dark side is clouding everything has made them cautious to a fault, has made yeah. them stagnant and trusting in policy and procedure rather than their guts and justice and their feelings because they can't rely on that as much. The dark mm-hmm. side is making it hard to find the will of the force. And so, you know, at this point, Anakin turns to Ahsoka and it's like, well, um, Hey, it's good to see you. And she's like, we don't have time for this. And he's like, uh, I've got a surprise for you that you you absolutely need to see. Yeah. So they start heading through the ship. And as they're walking, uh, you know, there are clones who are saluting Ahsoka. As, you know, she walks by calling her commander. And Ahsoka's like, you know, I don't deserve this. I'm not part of the command structure. I'm not part of the military anymore. And Anakin says, well, you know, to the clones, loyalty means everything. It it doesn't matter that you're not technically a commander. You saved their lives and fought with them, and they respect you for that. And then the door opens to the hangar, and it reveals the clones of the 332nd, which is Ahsoka's, you know, new uh, sort of 
well, what it's would what you the put 501st it? is going <laughs> to. How would you split? put it? Yeah. Well, it's going to exist in a minute. It technically. It's, it's, well, it, that's true. It's technically 501st right now. That's true. There's still 501st. So as the door opens, yeah. we reveal all of these troopers who have painted their helmets with these orange markings that are uh, that are that are new. You know, we've never seen this before, and this is something specifically for Ahsoka's return. Basically, once Rex heard that she was back, they decided they wanted to do this. So the plan is that for Ahsoka and this sort of branch of the 501st and, um, you know, hopefully Anakin and Obi-Wan and everyone to go to Mandalore and take out Maul. You know, that's the, the kind of initial plan. Anakin's like, yeah, the council will say yes, and we'll go and we'll smash Maul. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. And at right at the moment, Anakin's about to give her a wooden box that has something he has for her, a second surprise... Obi-Wan enters the room and the entire ship starts going on to alert and, and you know, Ahsoka's like, oh, so we're going to Mandalore. Actually, no. Uh, turns out. Turns out the Battle of Coruscant just started back home. Like, yeah, and we need to get there within an hour, apparently, according to Obi-Wan. There, and she's like, so you're just going to leave the Mandalorians to die. <laughs> and Obi-Wan's basically like, yeah, it's Coruscant. I don't. I don't really know how to make that argument. It's it's Coruscant. This is why people have lost faith with the Jedi. You're still playing politics. You're not going to save the people of Coruscant. You're going to save the Chancellor. And everyone's like, yeah, but it's 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 Coruscant. <laughs> That's not really fair. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to be fair. That's an interesting line to me. You know, I I, I like mean, it. obviously, Ahso- I mean, to me. This is Ahsoka talking to a member of the Jedi Council, not talking to Obi-Wan. Well, that's, that's how kind she, of how I read it. Well, because the Obi-Wan she met as a as a Padwan would have followed the impulse and mm. the sense of justice. He would Obi-Wan's a different guy now that he's a council member whenever that happens during the Clone War. Mm-hmm. And she sees him as a politician at some level. And then Anakin's like well, uh, what if we let Ahsoka take part of the 501st? She can't do that. She's not a Jedi. What if I promote Rex? And then Rex takes her as an advisor. Mm. Ahsoka, you, you'd be up for that, right? Yeah, I'll take that deal. Obi-Wan? Huh? <laughs> Everyone's like, fine, we need to get to Coruscant. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of where yes. it ends up. Yeah, I mean, that is what, that's the perfect way to do and- what happens. And then the great line that Obi-Wan leaves on of like, well, if you do get Maul, make sure you capture him. I killed him once. He doesn't like to stay dead. (laughs) Which is some fantastic moment and a great moment for James Arnold Taylor as well. (laughs) Uh, And then we get the lightsaber reveal. So before Anakin runs out of the room, he gives Ahsoka this wooden box that he was trying to give her a moment ago and reveals that he's been keeping her lightsaber safe for her. With a few minor adjustments. They're, they're as good as they used to be. Turns them on, they're blue. M- maybe better. Yeah. Okay, so how does this happen? How do her lightsabers turn blue? Uh, he put new crystals in them. I mean, that's the answer, right? Mm-hmm. It is, seems like it would have to be, right? Uh, knowing Anakin, hey, I kept them good as new. I mean, I accidentally cut them in half. But, you know, I fixed them because I fix lightsabers all the time because I lose them all the time. Yeah. Actually, what I see it as, I think it represents two things. One... It represents Anakin, who's a person that fetishizes things. He Mm -hmm. holds on to this because the council doesn't let her leave with them. Mm -hmm. And he can keep them. Like, no one's going to... Jedi's don't have attachments. Like, well, let me take her lightsabers. I'll get rid of them. Okay, Anakin, whatever. And he's like, he keeps them. And I can just see him tinkering with them, improving Mm -hmm. them, messing with them, telling himself he's doing that, not just... 
desperately trying to reconnect with Ahsoka mm-hmm. in the only way he can, which is this physical embodiment. And we've seen Anakin go through this many times of when he's really downtrodden, he works on things. He fixes stuff. He tries to, mm-hmm. you know, work on hot rods. I mean, we saw him that after the slaughter of mm-hmm. the Tusken Raiders, he's in Luke's room. What will be mm-hmm. Luke's room? Just messing with things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and totally. I feel that's what that represents is just... He kept them and he kept yeah. tinkering with them because yeah. he was trying to reach out to Ahsoka in the only way he had possible. And it gives us a great reason for Ahsoka to have her lightsabers again as well. And them to be blue. Because you can't fight Maul without them. Because we want to use blue in our color palette this time. That's right. We do. So uh, our uh, Ahsoka, bow, and now what is a branch of the 501st, the 332nd, mm-hmm. go off to Mandalore, exiting hyperspace above the planet. And uh, we have some great musical callbacks here. Oh, when, the, yeah. when, when the box opens, we hear the Force theme kind of just mm-hmm. pour out mm-hmm. as... Ahsoka is basically, at least from her master's eyes, like, yeah, you're a Jedi commander again. Take your lightsabers and I'll see you on the battlefield. And she's got that reluctance, but it feels right to continue forward. I mean, the force theme is playing. We know it's right. She knows she needs them for this mission. She knows she needs to take them, I think. I mean, ultimately to me, that's how I read it. She knows she's going to need them. And as the end of the Mandalore system and literally are starting a siege on Mm -hmm. it, you start hearing some beats from the Battle of Endor. You know, you just some of those little just little um, sharp stabs of, you know, this battle is about to get going. Mm -hmm. And it starts off quickly because as they're entering the system, uh, Almec, who is sort of the uh, face of Mandalore, you know, the prime minister. Yeah, the prime minister. He is, uh, you know, Maul is in charge, but uh, he's there as a he's the figurehead. So he sends a message to Bo basically saying that, hey, siding with the Republic, uh, that makes you an enemy in the eyes of the people here. So uh, we are going to blow you up. And yeah. Bo basically says, uh, that's fine. <laughs> and Ahsoka's response is, wow, you're nothing like your sister. <laughs> yeah, because you get the impression of like, like, aren't you guys all pacifists? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like technically the prime minister is supposed to not want to have war with you. and should yeah. be negotiating and you should Mandalores are supposed to be peaceful people. And she's like, Oh, that time's over. Death watch made us remember who we really are. And this war has shaped us back into those Mandos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, between malls doing and everything else. I think it was kind of inevitable. Right. And so after this moment, we cut, uh, you know, the the uh, battle's about to start, but we cut to uh, Gar Saxon mm-hmm. in the palace with Olmec. And basically he's saying, hey, are you uh, you ready for this? Because this is about to get legit. Like, this is going to be a real war. They're... They're coming to take over. This yeah. is not. It's not a social call. Yeah. And Gar's like, yeah, me and Rook and all of my loyal soldiers, we've got this. Yeah, but they've got lightsabers. Two of them, in fact. I hear they're blue. <laughs> we have Mandalorian iron. We'll be fine. Yeah. In fact, let's go get them. And we see the LAATs, the gunships, starting to drop <laughs> into the atmosphere. Yep. And then they just start getting shot at mm-hmm. by. Mando commandos running around on jetpacks, sipping uh-huh. through them and shooting things down. Yep. And as the battle begins, it just, you know, it gets out of control quickly. And uh, Bo, uh, you know, says, hey, what are you waiting for? Get out there and jumps out of her. <laughs> she and her troops just fly out. Yeah. And meanwhile, Ahsoka's standing there without her jetpack. And Rex is like, uh, well, sorry, I would have brought you one, but I didn't know you were going to be here. And she goes, I don't need one. Yes. And just jumps out of the ship. 
running down across, you know, using other ships falling through the sky as platforms to jump between. Some pretty serious parkour. And it's an amazing sequence for us as an audience because we've just watched arcs with uh, Ahsoka in this last season of the Clone mm-hmm. Wars. And it's all been her not being able to rely on Jedi powers and lightsabers. So this is her sort of back into Jedi mode, yeah. jumping around with force jumps, slicing things apart with lightsabers mm-hmm. and just being a superhero, which is punctuated when she finally is riding this LATT down. She's like blasts open the thing so the pilot can eject. She's yeah. running this yeah. burning cartridge that car- uh, carcass of this ship down. <laughs> and right before she gets to the hood, she like double flips off of it, lands, jams her lightsabers halfway into the dock, stands up, gets in that pose we know her from, that dual-wheeled pose, as it explodes behind her in just just an overuse of action movie vocabulary. It's it's just amazing. They're really lucky they got a good take of all that. That's a lot to get on one shot. They they weren't going to get a second take with a (laughs) fireball that big. Uh, it really, really is a, just a fun, action-packed moment. And what I love about pretty much everything, not only in this episode, but in the three episodes to come, is it all happens at a very nice pace. You get to spend time with it, but it still moves fast. So well, really, really great job there. Their mastery. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, uh, basically... Uh, Saxon, you know, cut to another shot of Saxon fighting in the city, and he basically calls Almec, who tells him, hey, escape under the city. You know, Bo has chased the Mandos into the city at this point. Ahsoka's fighting, and uh, they basically, uh, they take the city. They're successful in their siege, but they can't find Maul. And by this point, Almec's kind of delivered the line of, like, this is as the Lord has foreseen. (laughs) Like, that, okay, this is a contingency that Maul has. And so Bo-Katan sort of goes and she's going to go off and capture the prime minister and take care of that. And it's like, you, Ahsoka, you need to uh, go and try and figure out where Maul is. And just then one of the clone commanders calls her down into the undercity. Uh, Clone CT0292 calls and basically report that they have a possible fighting sighting. So yeah, they take the lift down to the uh, tunnel entrances, see some corpses there with like smoking chests. Uh, you know, to kind of, uh, demonstrate like lightsaber and blaster wounds. And that was kind of interesting. We, I don't know if we've really ever seen that, like smoking corpses before they've usually just been black score marks. Yeah. We haven't really tried to make it that heavy. Well, I don't know. The Netflix episodes might've had as much of that because they also were unchained from not having to be Mm -hmm. on Cartoon Network. And uh, yeah, and Mackie just said it. Captain Vaughn is who she reports to. Mm-hmm. And uh, he reports seeing, you know, Gar Saxon enter the tunnels. And so basically Ahsoka and the clones enter. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. Bo is storming the throne room. Now, here we have, uh, she's going after Almec. And it's just a great fight. I want more of this, though. I want more of this throne room stuff. So... Um, you know, there's like some really great, like, she's just so acrobatic the way she's sliding between Mando's legs and like just and jumping up, using her shield as a weapon to punch people. And, and I also love the efficiency. They move in like a squad and yeah. they start just sealing this room down and taking care of people. I mean, there's like mm-hmm. six of his personal guards are down within the first 30 seconds yeah, of this sure. fight. And what I also like is he's in full armor and he's it's ceremonial. It's got these like kind of gold uh, filigree, these like gilded pieces to it. But 
mm-hmm. he's a Mando, so of course he has armor, and Man, he is ready is great to fight armor. for. Yeah, he's here to fight Ugh. for his honor, and he puts up as much of a fight as you'd expect for an old politician. Like, totally, he does a decent job, better than I expected. But, but after a few kidney punches, yeah, <laughs> Bo gets the upper hand, and uh, Olmec reveals that. Maul wanted them to bring the Jedi here, but she brought the wrong one. And we and, cut back. <laughs> yeah, Bo tries to, you know, contact Ahsoka to warn her, realizing it's a trap. But in the source, Ahsoka is attacked by the Mandalorians. You know, they shoot a missile. She uses the force to deflect it, push it away. But in the explosion, kind of gets knocked backwards, you know, kind of gets her head wrung for a minute. And her clones chase down the Mandalorian. She tries to stop them. But as she follows them, you know, she's finding their bodies littered along the path. She comes out of this tunnel into this Mm -hmm. sort of open circular room surrounded by multiple entrances to other tunnels. And as she's kind of there in the center looking at, you know, one of the clones that was taken out. Yeah, that's Vaughn dying there on the floor. And he just he's just like, sorry, Commander, which is another just sting of like these men died because of her is what's going on through her head. And then then the star shows up. (laughs) Yeah, so we have all of these other Mandalorians come out and surround her, basically blocking every tunnel entrance. And then you hear this sort of like loud, clanging, echoing sound coming down one of the pipes. And you see sort of in the shadows at first, but then after a moment, you see Darth, well, Maul, not Darth anymore. You see Maul uh, come out of the shadows and um, basically is like, why are you here? Where is Kenobi? Kenobi. <laughs> and then that's where our episode ends. Yes. Um, to your point earlier, the pacing, so much happens in this episode. Like, I forgot rewatching them. You know, I watched them back on the fourth when they were originally released. And I watched them in anticipation of this to take notes. And I forgot, like, oh, my gosh, so much happens in this episode. But yeah. to your point, this is 12 years of them getting this right. Between Clone Wars and Rebels, they've had a lot of practice. Mm -hmm. They know how to pace things right. When to let it breathe, when to speed it up, Mm -hmm. when to let it be really action-y, and when to move on from the action. And it's it's really, really well-paced all the way through. And I think this episode does the most work to get somewhere. And it does it at a breakneck pace, but one that doesn't feel rushed. No, because the episodes are a good mix of action and exposition. Yes. Uh, and they're simple. I mean, at their heart, they're relatively simple plots, but that's some of the most fun stuff in Star Wars. All right. Anything else you want to say about this episode? Uh, let's see. Any no. notes? We, we, <laughs> I know we're playing Pong with our notes here, so we're... Yeah, I think we, I think we hit everything I wanted to say on this one. I think we're ready to go over to part two. Let's do it. Okay, we are back for part two of The Siege of Mandalore, The Phantom Apprentice, Mm -hmm. written by Dave Filoni, directed (laughs) by Dave Filoni and Nathaniel Villanova. Mm. So here we are, back for part two. We left Ahsoka completely surrounded by Mandalorians with Maul at the head, and that is exactly where we pick back up, literally not even a scene transition. You could splice well, them together, and we're right back where we left off. And the beginning is just a, yeah, this is a, this is Clone Wars. 
Uh, moving on, part two. Uh, let's go. And yeah. all that you get is just a little bit of those dark hymns from like the Imperial Throne Room from Return yeah. of the Jedi. Just that like Sith moaning, if you will, that is often mm-hmm. found with them. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. And, you know, obviously Maul is still a villainous dark character, even though he's not technically a Sith. And I will mention it multiple times as we go through the rest of this, but like Sam Whitmer, he is so mm-hmm. chef kiss. He is so deliciously great. This was what, when they hired him for Starkiller, when he entered Star mm-hmm. Star Wars for Force Apprentice, he had this great like manic back and forth, mm-hmm. but Maul is the character that gets to have that energy so beautifully of sometimes he's deep and plotting and thinking about things and another time he's a ma- he's a maniac raging. Yeah. Well, he's so a man good. who is not only powerful, not only smart, not only capable, but he is a man who went through an incredibly traumatic experience and that makes for an interesting character. When you have a character he's... who's still powerful but has been through so much, he's going to be a little manic and this, you know, arc is the most we'll ever see Maul be kind of crazy manic because of what's to come. And we're actually about to get into that right now. Yeah, because it's time for Maul to meet Ahsoka Tano. Yeah, which is interesting, right? So here's where we start. So Maul wanted Kenobi. That was what he says here. You know, he hints at knowing about Order 66 as well, but we'll find out in a little bit that that's not the case. Yeah, because he's like, I wanted Kenobi. And I thought maybe... Skywalker, his full would be with him. Yeah. And but you, uh, I wasn't expecting you. Yeah. Why are you here? Why did Kenobi send, send you? you? That's <laughs> the big, like, why, why are you so special to be here? And Maul kind of monologues a little bit more, you know, believes a new controlling interest is coming to the galaxy. The Jedi and the Republic, they've already lost. Darsidious, he says, uh, you know, when Ahsoka wants to know who, who will be in control, you, she accuses Maul of trying to take control. And when he says this name, when he lets slip Darsidious, mm-hmm. you know, Ahsoka almost kind of drops her guard for a second. Is that shock? What is she well, seeing there? It's also partially because Sam Whitmer's delivery. He's like, Darth. Sidious. Yeah, there's like, a very big there, dramatic pause. There, there's there's a there's a Harry Potter level of like I should not say this name, but I'm going to say it anyway. But I'm yeah. gonna like trip on it. it well, yeah, because no one knows. It's not like this is a name you feared throughout and, the galaxy. And even Maul is like, yes, I'm plotting against that guy. I want to I want to get revenge on him so badly. What, <laughs> what's his name? Oh, I don't want to say it. I don't want to get. I don't want to incur his wrath. You I don't want to call. Show up if <laughs> I do that. If I say it three times, he'll just be summoned here. <laughs> uh, and right as Ahsoka is going to try and get more information out of him. Rex and some clones rush in and Maul is able to escape in yeah, the they, crossfire. They clear the room and when Maul leaves, the Mandos fold out and yeah. there's a nice few bits of tones of Battle of the Fates playing in the background mm-hmm. here. Just a few little notes of it of because you think for a second like, oh, well, this is the battle between. Nope, nope, not the battle's over. OK, <laughs> not yeah, Yeah, we're not ready for it yet. And, you know, Ahsoka says, oh, I know who you are. I, you know, I know who you are from all the, you know, information that Anakin and Obi-Wan have told her over the years. And I'm sure mission briefings and stuff like that. But he doesn't know her. And so that's going to be Maul's kind of next little mission. You mentioned we mentioned one thing earlier. I want to point out, Mac, yeah. um, in the first episode Ahsoka refers to Maul as the renegade Sith Lord. Yes. I thought that was a kind of interesting way to look at it. You know, that's fun. Well, because from their perspective, 
the last time we see him is when he's having his butt kicked right. by Sidious who, and, um, you know, his brother Savage getting murdered yeah. and him having taken coup of Mandalore, but then basically chased off the planet. Yeah. So Sidious captures him, imprisons him, yeah. and then he is freed by Gar Saxon and his troops right. in the Son of Dathomir comic books. So that's why if you're, you know, if you miss that gap, the, you know, yeah. um, that's going to come up. Well, I'll t- we'll talk about well, it in a second. Uh, but the point is like, Last time we saw some, it was, yes, he ran away, and that's as far as the Jedi know happens. He's just yeah. lurking out there in the galaxy somewhere. Yeah. True. Good um, point. It's Bo-Katan that brings us the information of like, oh, he's back on Mandalore, and he's running the show from underneath the city. You know, mm-hmm. like, he's the, you know, the prime minister, his puppet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's calling out the corruption, essentially. Um and the Jedi, you know, aren't doing anything about it as they do. So we reconvene in the throne room and we see that a holographic Kenobi is in on this meeting between Ahsoka, mm-hmm. Bo-Katan. He looks worried. Does uh, not look great. Yeah, it's mostly because they're starting to talk about the fact of like, hey, you know, we've we basically recaptured the city. We're working on the occupation of it. We're trying to find Gar Saxon. We're yeah. trying to find Maul. But like, you know, we've... We've won the battle, the war, you know, we've got a good chance of winning. And Kenobi's like, oh, that's that's good. Um, yeah, that's good, because uh, we saved the Chancellor. That went well. Um, what's that name? Sidious? Uh, ooh, ooh, yeah. Um, so I'll tell you what I, I know. know. <laughs> and then this is kind of where it gets interesting, because he says, I'll tell you what little I know. And he basically says, we know Sidious orchestrated oh, the war. Real quick. Yeah. I'll tell you what the council knows. Yeah. is how he frames it, but then everything he delivers is his own personal experience. So again, he's the voice of the council, and yeah. he's mostly trying to be that guy, but like his master before him, maybe isn't really a good yeah. seat for the council. Well, I think he is a good seat for the council. I think it's he's struggling. Well, it doesn't matter. He, really. well, wait, he holds up that Yoda isn't doing yeah. what he does, which is using his personal feelings to navigate the yeah. intricacies of this job. For he sure. thinks he can be removed from them, and he can't. <laughs> he's trying, though. He's trying his darndest. So they know Sidious orchestrated the war and played both sides from the beginning. Yes. You know, Kenobi first heard this name from Dooku, and that's a reference to episode two when Obi-Wan is captured by Dooku. Yep. Uh, but, you know, he says, well, unfortunately, Dooku is dead, so we can't question him. And that's when he reveals that Anakin, Anakin killed, killed him. him. And Ahsoka's kind of surprised the by this. Yeah, she's kind of taken aback by this. She's like... So now what? Can you come help me? And he goes, well, I can't reinforce you because I'm going to kill General Grievous. I'm going to go round up the Separatist leaders on Utapal. Yeah. And she goes, so the war could be over soon. Like she sees this as a good thing. Yeah. The I way hope all so. the other Jedi do. And then she asks for Anakin and Kenobi tells her of her well, of his special mission. So he's he like, she's this... like, can I have a minute alone? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So. She is kind of taken back by Anakin's special assignment. And mm-hmm. I was a little surprised that Kenobi would share it with her too, being that she's not a Jedi. Well, there's a good there's a good threat. Yeah, so he basically says Anakin's been asked to observe the Chancellor. Yes. She's like, oh, spy on him. He's like, well, we didn't call it that word. <laughs> uh, but you kind of did. But yeah, sort of. It's like, well, the Chancellor's been his mentor for years. I can't imagine he's happy about this. Oh, he's not. <laughs> yeah, you, you're right, Ahsoka. You're right. So would you persuade him for me? You want me to tell him to do this thing? He's like, no, I, I want you to talk to him. him. Okay, well, why? The Council isn't always right. And there's this great moment of that is such a diplomatic thing because Obi-Wan's like, I think 
as as you remember from my scene in episode three, I think this is garbage. But I have to follow the will of the council, the wisdom of mm-hmm. these extra members. Mm-hmm. I cannot I can't weight mine as equal to their council. Mm-hmm. I have to realize that this is something we have to do. And when he tells Anakin, there's the same thing of like, I'm not asking you to do this, Anakin. The council's Council asking, asking you to do you. it. Yeah. It's like, well, what do you think? I can't think about this independently because yeah. my answer is no, I think this is garbage. But the council is asking of this and same kind of thing, except in reverse it was like the council is asking of Anakin Ahsoka. I'm asking of you. Mm-hmm. Can you find a way to help him mm-hmm. navigate this? Yeah. And she doesn't, you know, think she's the right person. Obviously she's cold on the council, but yeah. they don't really get to finish their conversation because Ahsoka learns of an ambush yeah. and has to go investigate. So she basically talks to an injured trooper named Sterling And he tells her that Maul was basically going around asking about her, killing the clones. And he took Jesse because he learned Mm -hmm. that he was an older clone and he might have more information about Ahsoka. Yeah. Jesse's one of our ARC troopers that's been in the trooper stories along the way to get here. Mm -hmm. He's the one with the rebel cog kind of printed on his head. Yeah, he's got it like tattooed, a full half face tattoo. He's dedicated, man. He's he's a true believer. Yeah, he, he... I just want to say, even when she finds Sterling there and is kind of getting the the battle report, like, by this point, it is so palatable. You are so in sync with where episode three is happening parallel to this, Mm -hmm. and you can feel the jaws of it sort of closing down on the entire situation. Yeah, as it becomes apparent what part of the timeline we're in and we know as an audience that we're spiraling closer and closer to the moment of Order 66. It's scary. And the fall it of drama. Yeah, absolutely. Because we don't know where Ahsoka is going to be when that moment happens. Now, we cut to Maul after mm-hmm. this, and he's monologuing to Jesse. Basically, he's saying, you know, I wasn't fully aware of the scope of my master's plan. The grand but, design. Yeah, but I will thrive in the chaos to come. Then he says, he turns more directly to Jesse, and he says, basically, he needs to know things. He needs to know about Ahsoka Tano. Well, we can go in circles all day, but I'm not going to tell you anything. (laughs) Oh, you'll tell me, all right. And then he proceeds to do uh, what I would describe as the Kylo Ren mind rape. I don't really know. (laughs) I I wrote it down with a more gentle term, because I don't think it, I don't know if it has an official name. We'll have to go look at the novelization. Mind reading. I, I called it mind stealing. Mind stealing is where a good he's way like to, yeah. yank. He's literally yeah. yanking thought. He's like it's like search your feelings, yeah. except at someone. It's it feels the, very dark sidey. Yeah, it's, it definitely it's, feels like aggressive. Well, whereas we've heard you know search your feelings. This idea of a Jedi can be in tune to the feelings around him if he opens his mind to the Force. This is channeling the Force of like I need to know what you know and. Hand, like, you know, what, six inches away from your head in a menacing grip, just yanking that information out of your head. We saw this Kylo. This is one of his signature moves. And it's cool to see it go backwards that this is an old Sith technique. Mm -hmm. Maul must have learned it from Sidious, which means Sidious knows this particular trick as well. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's. To me, it's also showing where Maul is at in his power. 
Yes. I think that's something else that, you know, we haven't really seen him fight yet in this iteration. So something that we needed to see there, too, of him using the Force in a masterful way. And we see Jesse's face kind of falter and then break, and he sort of ends up with a scream Mm -hmm. as we cut back to uh, our heroes sort of surrounding the prime minister in his cell, trying to get information (laughs) from him. Yeah, Bo and Ahsoka are trying to interrogate Almec, and he basically says that for weeks, Maul has been consumed by dread. dread. He wanted not just Kenobi, but someone else. And before he can reveal who that is, Saxon, uh, sort of from across the way, shoots him. You know, yeah, snipes him out. him right in the chest. Like, yeah. Just, like, just to the side of the heart. Mm-hmm. And as he's sort of laying there dying, Almec tells Ahsoka that Maul had a vision in a dream. A name came to him. Skywalker. And he stutters kind of as he dies. And that's the end of Almec. And Ahsoka's kind of taken aback because now not only is there this Sidious name and that she's learned about from Kenobi, but now Maul is having these visions of Anakin. She can, she's getting consumed by dread. She can feel that these things are threaded together, but she can't see it. And we all, we're all at home going like, oh God, it's, it's the fall of Anakin. (laughs) Right. But like Save Ahsoka him. is slowly piecing it together. Now, meanwhile, Bo-Katan's like, oh, Gar Saxon, you're mine, and just chases him through the Undercity. They end up having this awesome jetpack fight inside the elevator shaft. Oh, my God. It's one of the coolest things. In, the, in what is the most action-packed episode of this arc, yeah. this elevator fight between Saxon and Bo is great. Uh, there's uh, flamethrower action going on and then at the end uh, Bo is like getting pushed down by the elevator and she has to use her jetpack to like force up against it to like stop it from crushing her and this is where you get the master of a story of be- telling that we have now because you see sparks going off of her her jetpack and by the time it's only a few feet off in the ground she's slowed it enough to it stops on its own and we see that there are clone troopers including like Rex is in that elevator and she gets out from the elevator she like rushes out she sees Gar Saxon zipping away on his jetpack and hers is broken so she can't follow like they set up the reason why this chase ends here yes and uh Then we cut to Maul with a familiar face and a few new faces. So Maul is having a holographic conversation with the syndicate leaders, telling them to go into hiding. He's got uh, Zaitan Moj from Black Sun, Marg Krim from the Pikes, and of course Dryden Voss from Crimson Dawn. Yep. Who we will uh, see later in Solo. So, so, like, Saxon kind of comes up to Rook. He's like, what's going on? And she's like, Maul sending the syndicate leaders into hiding. Mm-hmm. And there's this great moment of, like, this is a perfect echo. And it reminds us right where we are in episode three, because this is the same thing as Sidious saying, go to Mustafar to this, mm-hmm. to, like, Grievous, get these guys off of there. I want them on Mustafar now. <laughs> And Grievous is gathering them up and sending them off to hiding somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, a little bit of a different end goal reason, but same concept for sure. But I mean, this scene and talking in the hologram is totally to echo that. That must be happening right now. Absolutely. And I like that it shows that Maul is already making some of those plans. Yes. That, I mean, this is essentially give or take nine years before we see him in Solo. Correct. So he is already kind of planting those seeds of being the boss of these different crime syndicates 
ahead, he, of, ahead of that. And he kind of echoes what he already said before, because here he just turn, kind of turns more talking to himself than his subordinates. Yeah, for sure. Of, he's like, I thought Dooku was a foolish old man, but now I understand. Him and I, we are the same. We were always one step behind. The galaxy will be raised, and we must steal whatever power we can. Again, mm-hmm. he is planning on reaping the chaos of the civil war he knows is about to happen. And then he turns to his Mandalorians and basically gives this rousing speech about how they will not die in the how they will not die in the gutters. They will go out and they will be in battle. And if they die, if they lose, it will be in a glorious fashion in battle, like it should be for a Mandalorian. Of course, this gets them all pumped up and ready to roll. Because if you die, you will die a warrior's death. Doesn't that sound like fun? It, you know, it's the locker room speech. It's, yeah. it's hyping up the sports team to yeah. go die for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. But if you miss the field goal, you don't get shot in the head. The stakes are much higher here. You're yeah, right. Maybe in Texas. I don't know what it's like. There. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Sunday Night uh, Lights is pretty, pretty rough there. Yeah. And then we have this great little dark echo as we point to the clones moving people into shelters. And they're not roughhousing or anything but the dialogue, the 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 atmosphere dialogue of all the people being moved is they're an occupation force. They're being forced from their homes. These guys mm-hmm. in white armor are telling them where they have to go and they don't have a choice. And they're holding guns, you know, and yeah. it's not threatening, but it's such an echo of the imperial rule that's about to happen. This, you know, it, and it, it even goes so far as uh, when it slides up to Bo-Katan, she's like, you know, the people won't stand this. I won't stand this much longer. And Rex is like, hey, me and my boys, we don't want to be a police force. Yeah. So why are they? I mean, I guess the reason they're rounding up these troops is because they're worried about dissidents. They're worried about rebellion, about people fighting back. I mean, is that what what's I going on and why they're they, rounding up the citizens? They're so paranoid of Gar- uh, of Saxon and Maul escaping. Mm-hmm. They're literally just decommissioning parts of the city and locking it down in a way that you really only do during wartime. I mean, mm-hmm. we we as allied forces and stuff did this in World War II. We would take over, like, you know, we garrisoned Paris and mm-hmm. stuff like that after we recaptured it. And yes, it wasn't a complete return to freedoms because we needed to know where all of the control was mm-hmm. and what areas weren't controlled because that must be where they're mm-hmm. hiding. Um, and you can see Bo-Katan's, like, understands this militarily, but she's also, she's here for her people, and she recognizes this isn't that great. And Rex is like, I, this is what we have to do if we want to lock this city down, and it's not pretty, and we're going to get it over with as soon as possible. And Ahsoka says as much of, like, you know, as soon as we take care of this, you know, we, you know, this will all be over soon. Yeah. And as they're sort of having this conversation, they walk into the throne room, and they see Maul standing on the throne with Jesse tied up next to him, waiting for them, waiting. And of course, they're just like Bo shocked and Bo rushes into action trying to take Maul out, but he's able to disarm her and sort of hold her using the force. And then eventually, after a second of just saying, I'm not here to fight, drops her with the beautiful line of like, is that any way to treat your rightful ruler? Because legally putting a little salt in the wound, because legally he is still the leader of Mandalore. (laughs) But see, is he or is it all mech? Or was it all mech? Legally, by the Mandalorian law, he is technically the monarch. Yes, because he he won the duel for the dark. It's it's just like Satie was. The the Mm -hmm. the prime minister, like a prime minister, is the civil leader of the people. Yeah. But technically Maul is the actual rightful ruler of Mandalore (laughs) by Mandalorian law. Which is just delicious. Yes. 
So, uh, you know, obviously Bo is not able to defeat Maul here, but then Maul releases her and says, oh, you know, I'm not here to fight. And as a show of good faith, Faith. I'll release Jesse back to you. So Jesse goes over to Ahsoka and Rex and apologizes, saying, you know, hey, I'm sorry I told him about you. You know, there was nothing I could do. And, you know, of course, Ahsoka says, oh, that's not your fault. You know, you couldn't. There's nothing you could do about that. And they leave the throne room. Then a battle starts to rage outside and Bo, you know, Ahsoka says to Bo-Katan, Hey, you need to leave. Your people need you get out there and fight. And Maul has this great line. Go along. We'll be fine. (laughs) There's such a like parental discontent he gives them. Yes. And I do. We just have to call out how gorgeous it looks seeing these sort of explosions happening through the palace windows. And it's stuff that would have been season three, four, five of the Clone Wars centerpiece stuff that's out a window. It's the background. Yeah. It just shows, again, how far our technology and how good our stuff is now that this incredible, crazy battle is happening. But you're not focused on that. You're focused on the fact that these two people are standing in a room and, oh, my God, they're going to talk. And boy, will they talk. Maul has a few things to say. He really... Boy, he says more in like 30 seconds than he does oh all God. of episode one, right? Right. So uh, let me try and summarize this. So Maul is basically trying to convince Ahsoka that they're the same. She was motivated to leave the Jedi because of the hypocrisy of the Jedi Council. They were both tools from their respected master. And Maul is essentially panicked about Sidious and his plan. And he knows the power base is going to change. The moment is almost upon us. Yeah, the Republic has already fallen and you just can't see it. Soon Sidious will reveal himself and the Jedi can't stop him. The Republic can't stop him. The justice laws, that's all just whoever controls things right now. And that's about to change. The Jedi can't stop Sidious, but you and I can. Mm -hmm. And in that moment... He reaches out to her. You know, we have that that Jedi choice for Ahsoka. And what's kind of interesting here is, you know, we have a pause, but she says, okay, I will well, do this with you. And so the fun thing is, so, so we have this moment, and it is literally the pose from Last Jedi. It Absolutely. is Kylo Ren begging Rey to come along. And this is made, we, we amp this to you know, 11,000, we, we fill the room with Dramaton particles because the windows explode and yeah. ash and wind and shattered glass flow through this moment. And it's them serenely almost ignoring that mm-hmm. as the contemplation is going. And then, yeah, Ahsoka does the thing you don't expect. She's like, yeah, I'll help you. Just tell me one thing first. Yeah. What do you want with Anakin? That's her question. And basically... Here, let me get to my notes here. So he is the key to everything, Maul Mm -hmm. says. He has long been groomed for his role as Sidious's new apprentice. He orchestrated, Maul, he orchestrated this war to lure Anakin here to kill him, to deprive Sidious of his prized pupil, you know, basically to stop him from gaining a bigger advantage. Yeah. And at this point, Ahsoka immediately gets angry. Like, you can see her mind shift. Hands grip the lightsaber. She starts dropping into a fighting pose. And your vision is flawed. Yeah. She Basically, what she's saying is, I don't believe you. Anakin will not fall. I know him. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And basically, 
they begin to duel, right? And what yeah. a duel it oh is. My God, oh yes. my gosh. So in the throne room is where their fight begins. And after a few well-placed acrobatics, Maul sort of does a tumbling act out the window. And spills into the battle that's been going on outside. Bo-Katan and, and the uh, Saxon's troops have been just ravaging around the, <laughs> yeah. the capital city. And we see, like, Ahsoka just basically check in enough to go, like, how's it going? And Bo-Katan's like, I think we've got this, I think. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in a moment, we will learn that the Mandos definitely don't got this, the Maul's Mandos. But yeah. before we do that, I just want to take a moment here while we're talking about the throne room to point out that for this, they brought Ray Park back to do motion capture. So that's oh, one right. of the reasons why Maul moves a little bit differently in this fight and frankly, probably the reason why they didn't find a way to get him the Darksaber again, and probably mm -hmm. why he's using a double-bladed lightsaber, is because they wanted Ray Park to do the motion capture in the body. And then they also, because of this, they brought in a motion capture artist to portray Ahsoka, and that actress's name is Lauren Mary Kim. And uh, there's a great there's there's a little bit of behind the scenes footage of this on StarWars.com or I'm sure it's on YouTube and all that. But, uh, you know, that this was one of the things they did differently for this season was trying to capture these actors real motions to make right. the lightsaber fighting a little bit more accurate to real life. A little more visceral, like, you know, getting that impact that, you know, animation always has the problem of often overdoing. Um, because humans are a little stiffer than animation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it but it also feels more visceral and real because that's what would happen if Ray Park and this when this Ray Park and this actress are fighting each other with sticks. Yeah. yeah. And uh, well, it's I mean it's it's an amazing fight. It's one of the best fights we ever see. Now, oh, as Maul's out in the city, you know uh, Gar Saxon, who is losing his battle, radios to him saying, "Hey." We need you, you know, come help us. We need your help. We need reinforcements. And Maul's basically like, nah, peace out. Die well. And it's like, like, you're dying for your planet. That's what you wanted. <laughs> yeah. I promised you a warrior's death. Now you can die a warrior is essentially the underpinnings. Yeah. Because I guess it's Rook, who was Saxon's second in command, is coming to pick him up, to come and pick up Maul and get him out of there. He's, She's like, you know, my lord, we need to evacuate you. Yes. And as this is happening, this whole conversation, Maul is on the comm link up on the superstructure above the city, basically in the dome structure yeah, above the, the city. The the geodesic or not geodesic, um, the geometric gantry ways that are holding mm -hmm. this dome together. And Ahsoka notices this and heads up there. <laughs> yep. And right as this conversation ends on the comm link between Maul and Saxon, Ahsoka is there behind him. And uh, basically, you know, she's there. She's got her lightsabers drawn and she's ready. And Maul's like, oh, OK, you need another lesson, huh? You know, you, you need to. You still you're, haven't. You're still not getting you're it. You're still not getting it. Yeah. And they have this incredible above the city duel. Mm hmm. Um, so as they duel, you know, Maul's trying to reach his transport. Uh, Ahsoka's sabers are knocked out of her hand and Maul cuts the beam away from her feet, you know, giving her only kind of a little bit of space yeah, it's, left. It's like the weight of it starting to slowly dip and she's going to fall off, you yes. know, hundreds of feet down to the street uh, level. Yeah, not looking good. And Maul gives her another chance to join him, you know, reaching out his hand again, uh, giving her that one chance. And basically she says, uh, no, I'd rather die. And as he strikes to do that, you know, he takes a couple swings. She's able to dodge him. 
kind of swinging around behind him, grabbing his lightsaber in that moment and cutting off his foothold. So he, you know, falls along with a piece of the scaffolding. And then as he falls, she catches him in the air and he's screaming, no, no, we're all going to die. Let me go. You know, this is crazy. And then you have no idea what you're doing. (laughs) And I mean, they don't, to be fair. Uh, And Rex, who's already arrested Gar Saxon, pushed him to the ground, notices this battle going on and gets an LAT (laughs) up there to save Ahsoka. And then in the end, she's okay. She's got this. She's got him. And they're able to basically use these sort of electrified ropes, these grappling guns to wrap up Maul, knock him out and then take him safely back down to the city. Which I believe we've already seen in Clone Wars, but is. A call back to Jenny Tarkovsky's uh, Clone Wars, where Dirge is defeated the same way. These guys are just shooting these repelling bolts into him and then electrifying them. It's a very, very cool scene. And as Maul is flown away from the city, Ahsoka turns and looks up through the crack in the you know bubble in the of the city overhead, and we see the city kind of on fire below her as credits roll. Yeah. Ugh. Uh-huh. Like you said, most action-packed out of these For, four. I mean, it's tough to say, because the last episode does have a lot of action, but this one has the action you were waiting for, the one I, that you were, the action you were expecting. Well, I think the biggest thing about it is, this is where the stakes are equally matched. A lot of the rest of the action beats from here on out are people on the defense. This, again, you don't have lightsabers like this anymore. <laughs> no, no, you do not. So good. Uh, anything else you want to say about Phantom Apprentice? Also, brilliant name, Phantom Apprentice. Yeah, favorite name out of all four, honestly. Love it, love it, love it. Um, really happy to have Ray Park back. Uh, some really, really great dialogue from Ahsoka. And most importantly, Ahsoka showing kind of in her Jedi moment here, she will not kill Maul. She could have easily killed him. She could have easily let him fall. She could have easily killed him with his own lightsaber there. But she doesn't, because nope. that's not the Jedi way, even though she's not a Jedi. Right. And it's that is so great good. stuff. All right. So now we've got Saxon arrested, Maul arrested, and that leads us to our third episode. So everything should be fine. Right? Yeah, let's find out. Part three of our movie here, we've got Shattered. Shattered. Written by, you guessed it, Dave Filoni. Did he direct it? He did. Uh, well, he was the supervising director. Oh. Or the exact, I don't remember. I didn't write that part down. Uh, and then also directed by Saul Ruiz again. I'm going to guess that the reason we're seeing that double credit is Dave Filoni directed, if supervised, directed this the entire arc, thing, yeah. And then there was individual people responsible for the deliverable of each episode. That's exactly what it is, yes. Exactly what it is, yeah. Dave Filoni is the uh, the big picture director, yeah. as they say, not the day-to-day director. Right. Well, he, <laughs> he's worked his way through that. So he definitely yeah. So we've got Saxon, Rook, and Maul all being showed in their different ways of being arrested and captured. And yeah. the LAAT comes down, and yeah, Maul's wrapped up. He's got clones all around him. And Bo-Katan is... 
trading respect with Ahsoka. They're both kind of impressed with what the other's been able to accomplish since last time they saw each other. Yes, they are. Uh, well, you know, I can't believe you've done this where so many others have failed. I can't believe you were able to bring him in. And, you know, Ahsoka saying, you know, Bo, you know, you're good at more than just fighting. You can be a leader. You can be the leader for your people. And Bo basically says, nah, that was my sister's gig. And Ahsoka goes, still kind of loser with it like a. Well, your people still need you right now. Yeah. And I think you can do it. But <laughs> and this is where we jump in. And there's a Jedi Council meeting that Ahsoka has been asked to come to. Yes. I think isn't this also the scene where Sabine's mother is there, too? Uh, uh, in the background. Yes, I didn't write it's this in the in background. Notes. I meant to mention this, but yeah, she's standing there next to her, essentially, like as they're. It's implied those are yeah. the house leaders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the great houses of Mandalore. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, so basically, mm-hmm. you know. Ahsoka's like, well, I need to talk to Master Anakin. Is he there? Well, he was in the council meeting when I last left them. <laughs> <laughs> so as Ahsoka heads towards the, you know, towards the hollow link to uh, to talk with them. And we see Mace here talking with ki mundi and Yoda about removing Palpatine from office. And we are, again, synced up with where we are, the events of episode three, because this is the other side of the conversation we saw as film watchers in episode three mm-hmm. in the council chambers. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's, it's such a great little dichotomy because like, yeah, here's Mace Windu and Kanemunde and Yoda as holograms, even though, okay, so this is what all those hologram Jedi masters in that scene were seeing. This is what it looked like to them. Yes. And it's great. It's great to see it from another perspective. Uh, we didn't call it out earlier, but in one of the other instances, we saw a young Caleb Dune along with his uh, master oh. Depa Balapa. I didn't catch in, that. Oh, yeah. Oh. It's at that other, uh, I didn't mention it earlier, but it's at that other uh, hollow table meeting. Mm. They're there, yeah. Yeah, a little huh. young Padawan Caleb Doom there. I did not catch it. I'll you didn't catch that. I'm no, sorry. I, I should have mentioned that. it. No, no I, uh, you're good. Well, that's, that's uh, yeah, that's a great no, little I, moment in there. I was just enjoying it again. This is the, I sense it. A, a, I sense a threat to destroy the Jedi yeah. and, and they get down. And basically when Yoda says the, the like, this is a dangerous place. Our road of thinking leads yes. us or whatever. And that's when Ahsoka comes in and now we see the scene continue from that where it there's gets There's actually a little bit more. She says, I have Maul in custody. And Yoda says, you know, you have done a great service to the Republic. And she says, well, yeah, I was acting as a citizen. You yeah. know, I, I was acting as a good citizen. It's what you have to do is when you're part of this, you know, this government. And Yoda says, not, not as a, a Jedi. Jedi? And uh, Ahsoka <laughs> just kind of like doesn't really answer him and says, well, I want to talk to Master Skywalker. But. You know, he's not there. He's been sent to inform the Chancellor of the defeat of General Grievous. And she's like, oh, well, General Grievous Grievous. is done. That's really, really great. (laughs) Well, what are you worried about with the the Chancellor? Well, that's Jedi business is how Mace sort of closes the conversation. Yeah, citizen. And then it's great because Ahsoka doesn't take any. She's like, I understand. Yeah. And then (laughs) instead of relaying any information, she just turns and walks away. Well, there's the great moment where Yoda is like, Ahsoka, more to say, have you? Yeah. And she's like, no. <laughs> He's yeah. like, do you have a message for, for Master Anakin to pass on to you? No. Yeah. And she's like, and he's, and I think this is important from Yoda. He's like, well, may the force be with you, Padawan. Yeah. Like, Yoda's like, you're going to be a Jedi again. Yeah. You never left the force. I didn't believe in what happened to you. Yeah. I know your heart. You're going to be great. Yeah. Yoda still believes that Ahsoka 
will be there when she is needed. You know, he like Obi-Wan and Anakin, I think is very much a destiny of the force type of guy and believes that she is on a mission that she needs to be on right now. When we think of the conclusion of the lost episode season six, Yoda's in a much more cosmic place in his view of everything that's going on around him as well. For sure. He is definitely thinking beyond this current situation, which Mm -hmm. is why he's saying lines like, like this is a dangerous place for us to go down. Like, Man, my favorite Yoda, spirit, super spiritual Yoda. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely the, love it. Almost too wise Yoda. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, I mean, that's true. Uh, okay, so after the call ends, basically, Rex says to Ahsoka, hey, you didn't tell them what Maul says. And she simply says, no, I didn't, <laughs> and just walks away. And it's, it's a fun, interesting moment for her character. But, I mean, we kind of already covered it. It's just she isn't a Jedi right now. Well, it's partially that. It's also partially she doesn't want to talk about Anakin. She wants to talk to Anakin. Yes. And last but not least, she's still 100% I know Anakin. Yeah. He'll be fine. Yeah. And she doesn't trust the Jedi Council. I think that's another important piece to point out here as well. she has every right to based on what's happened to her. For sure. I mean, if there's one thing we know and that I think Star Wars has very made, you know, made clear at this point, the Jedi were not perfect. No. They made lots of mistakes. It's almost like they're a collection of beings that are flawed and grounded in humanity. Weird. Uh, you know, uh, flawless characters. People are real into those, but they don't really exist. Um, uh-huh. So this is a moment that makes my heart giddy. We see Maul coming out in this inscribed double stone tactical <laughs> technological prison. Yeah. He's just got this red little window. He's in his, you know, Hannibal Lecter style yes. cage. Yeah, big old coffin. And like, Soga's like, what is that thing? It's like, oh, it's a relic of a bygone era. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's something that we use when you force wielding maniacs forced us to capture you. Yeah. Uh, implying all the great stuff that yes there were the great wars between the jedi and the mandalorians and the mandalorians are like the only military force to give jedi a run for their money because of they figured out ways to deal with you and i love there's the moment of like didn't your sister ban those yeah she did well what about this one oh it's the last one which to me is said in a way that's like yeah as far as you know it's the last one Oh, interesting. I totally That's take how it. you read that? Okay. Just because she's like, she makes a point of emphasizing, yeah, this is the last one. And I just see like the flick of the eyes to the left or right of like, yeah, it's the last one. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I found the last one, the only one left. That'd be nuts. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. that is Because I take this as Death Watch, who had yeah. the Darksaber, yeah. has a cache of all of this old technology. There's a Basilisk war droid yeah, somewhere down say, in the basement. The um, and, and my idea is just the fact of like, yes, they are very sparing with it because there aren't many of these. And to be honest, when else do you need them? <laughs> like, Good point. So they throw Maul in this and um, we are having Maul loaded on the LAT. Um Bo-Katan and Ahsoka have their little, like, you know... Parting of ways. I appreciate you, and I wish you well, and I appreciate Mm -hmm. you and wish you Mm -hmm. well. And then we have this very long, very open-breathing, 
travel back to the Star Destroyer. Ominous music coming in full full tilt. It is no cool. real melody to it, just ambiance. And we see these great scenes of clones walking Maul through the hallway. All these fun angle shots that we don't normally yeah. get to see. All this ambiance of space, of us entering hyperspace on the bridge of the... Uh, destroyer it's quiet it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. the underscore has a lot of these little strange synths which to me echoes exactly where we are in episode three which is that moment where anakin is looking across the city and padme is looking out her balcony and anakin's sitting in the council chamber wondering you know i told mace windu the right thing he's gonna go and arrest the chancellor everything's gonna be fine but why do I feel so uncomfortable just sitting here? I can't just let this happen. Yeah. And he's at the moment of his choice of what he's going to do. And those same sort of long, quiet synth, strange synths are happening. And so I'm like, that's the moment that's happening elsewhere in the galaxy. And there's these great moments of we see the command pit of this Star Destroyer because we're on a Venerator class Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. The new ones we yeah. see. Unnamed. And does not have a... Uh, I was very disappointed yeah. it doesn't have a name. Yeah, me too. Someone needs to go write that into a book and make mm-hmm. it have a name. Please, um, yes. But you see the clone officers in Imperial uniforms. You yeah. see the Imperial iconography everywhere. And even Ahsoka's last bit, she's, you know, Rex comes up, is like, you know, is everything okay? And she's, she's like, you know, um, you know, it's just... I was trained to be a keeper of the peace, peace, but since I've been a Padawan, all I've ever been is a soldier. And Rex says, you know, well, I get it. Many people don't like this war, but... Wish it never happened. Without it, we wouldn't exist. And Ahsoka says, well, I guess some good came out of it then, because, you know, the Republic, we couldn't have ever asked for better soldiers, nor I a better friend. And it's just this great little moment of respect between them. And and again, the deeper connection that Rex and Ahsoka have had. They've mm-hmm. come up sort of the same way. And um, it's great. And then Rex is called away to, sir, there's a new briefing. And yep. he's like, okay, uh, Commander, do you want to come? She's like, no, I, I trust it's You'll more good news. You'll fill me in. I trust it's still good news. And Ahsoka, and this is important to me, folds her arms and then she turns towards the hyperspace lane that they're traveling through mm-hmm. outside the window and puts one arm behind her back in a way that's like she's doing the Vader pose. She's doing what Anakin would always do as Vader, just stare out through the Star Destroyer window out towards whatever was coming at them. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially her arm straight in that folded position just reminds me of she is Anakin's apprentice in so many ways. Um it's just a great moment, which is good because we need that little moment because while this has been quiet and uncomfortable, it's because we need this little, little just push the chin up a little bit before we're about to jam it through your jaw <laughs> because that briefing's very, very, very important. Yes. When that briefing comes in, we cut to Rex or at least sort of these close-up shots of Rex and the mouth of Sidious basically saying, Captain Rex execute order 66 <gasps> and as this happens ahsoka is sort of struck with this feeling of something horrible happening to anakin and she hears this sort of dialogue in her head she feels these emotions and these feelings and maul is f- feeling it through through as well yes and yes, we're yes, hearing yes. i guess this actually technically takes place right before the order 66 uh, yeah you feel it and i think it's beautiful because you have you know, you have um, 
all of the dialogue from episode three of like, you must choose, you know? And what I think is great is, and all the Anakin lines are repeated, but through Matt Lantern's voice. Mm -hmm. So it's, this shows Anakin saying those things to, and Ahsoka and Maul are both hearing them. And Ahsoka's almost like dropped to a knee by the wave of emotion as Anakin deals with what he's done. Yes, he is, uh, or I should say, um, Anakin obviously dealing with his own issues at the moment, but Ahsoka from across the galaxy so connected is feeling it. And also, it's not just that she's about to feel. She's going to feel the deaths of thousands of other Jedi uh, from across the galaxy as well. Whereas Maul is having the same thing, but through his connection to his master as his master's master plan finally unfurls. Yes. And... Oh, man, it's so interesting. All right, let's not skip ahead to Maul, because before this happens, Ahsoka runs into the briefing room and is basically saying, hey, something is happening to Anakin. We need to figure this out. And it cut the camera, cuts to Rex, and his hand, you know, is wrapped around his helmet at his side, and it's sort of shaking. And he basically turns around and he draws his weapons on her. And she's kind of like double pistols just aimed at her as her arms are shaking. What are you doing? Like, what is this? What's happening? Two more troopers come up behind her. Blasters leveled at her. And he shouts, no, I got this. You know, basically showing. Yeah, showing that he is still trying to be in control. And he's the commander of this ship. Yeah, so it makes sense. Um, And, you know, he basically gets out a little bit of. Find him, find fives, find fives, and then he starts shooting. And Ahsoka knocks him out so she doesn't have to worry about his safety and then jumps onto the command table in the center of the room using all of the incoming fire from the surrounding clones to not only create a smoke screen around her, but to destroy the ceiling above her so she can use it as an escape. And there's this great smoke, and the trooper's going like, she's down, she's down. And they all come up, and the smoke starts clear, and they're looking down at the hollow table, and there's like, wait, where is she? And then they look up and see that, yes, she's escaped up through. Mm-hmm. And then Rex sort of lays it out of, like, Order 66 has been called. Yeah, we he gives are us t- all the details. Yeah, it's it, well, and he frames it for this particular show mm-hmm. we're about to watch, because he's, it's not... Order 66, you know, we have to kill all the Jedi because they're traitors. He also states Ahsoka Tano is also a traitor of the Republic and any clone that helps her and does not execute Order 66 is also a traitor and will be executed. Mm -hmm. Setting up the stakes for what will happen if any, any soldier, including Rex, will help her out. Yes. Now, at the moment, Rex also says, hey, go execute Maul. (laughs) <laughs> he's like sir are you okay he's like i'm just tired you go kill maul yeah uh they're not wasting any time at all and uh as they do that then rex also sets out to find ahsoka now ahsoka saves and releases maul to essentially cause a panic at first maul thinks say hey, you know oh you've done the right thing by coming to me together we can escape this well, and i think to be honest with you i think she's I think she's got a different goal when she arrives in that room. Because basically we see the the ca- the containment panel opening up, which you figure there's probably just a button to turn the oxygen off in there. But, you know, that's just me. Um, and two clone troopers are basically leveling their blasters. And as soon as this thing slides enough that they can get his body, they're going to shoot him. And then they both get downed by Ahsoka. And, and Ahsoka's first question is, is this your doing? 
Like she thinks this is like a Sith trick. She's like, yeah. she's here to find out Maul because she thinks Maul's the only one who might have answers. Yeah. And Maul's like, oh, come on. It's not me. You felt this. You felt all of those deaths, those lives, the whole fulcrum of the universe hinging, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, maybe he's like, yeah, this is great. Let's work together. And she's like, oh, no, you don't get what's happening here. I only letting you go so you can be a distraction for, for me. I'm not here to help you. Well, can you at least give me a weapon so I have a fighting chance? You have to remember, I'm not rooting for you. <laughs> Some more great Ahsoka being a Jedi moments. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely fantastic stuff. Uh, and also, this is where Sidious basically, or I'm sorry, where Maul basically says, oh my gosh, this plan was brilliant. I had no idea this was the plan. <laughs> the Master Stroke is using the army to kill the Je- their own army to kill them. And Ahsoka's like, why are you finding this amusing? I'm like, I, I just think it's pretty impressive, don't you? <laughs> like, there's an intellectual detachment as he's thinking about that. For sure. Uh, okay, so uh, cut back, you know, the clones report that Maul has escaped. Uh, Rex, you know, says, hey, destroy the escape pods. And Ahsoka is going to the droids, specifically to R7 and the other droids there, uh, needing their help. She uses R7 to bring up the info on fives, where she stumbles across a message from a a Kaminoan, as well as a locked file from Rex, which she accesses with Anakin's passcode. And this is where we basically get a get Rex's after action report from the events of the biochip. Mm -hmm. Um stuff that we had in the lost episode season six, where they talk about that there is these inhibitor chips. And I think it's also really important because they massage it as well. One of the problems I had with those episodes was I always liked order 66 was the Jedi are in fact traitors. And so when the chancellor calls that order, it is legal. They did what caused general order 66 to be, Mm -hmm. you know, enacted. And I was like, I just figured the clones are always loyal. That's their job. Mm -hmm. But the bio chip is this inhibitor chip. And Rex basically states the inhibitor chip, the Kaminoans put in us. I think it has another purpose than what they told us. Yeah, We don't understand yet. So what it it really is. So it kind of lays in that. Yes, there's this chip to help them not be able to go rogue. Right, that there's an inhibitor chip to make sure that these clones are always going to essentially follow their orders, but that there's this special lane for these special orders the Chancellor put in when he put the order in under Sifo-Dyas's name to make sure that these will be followed unquestionably, and it would unlock an entire set of their flash training when they were children that was about this exact plan firing off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we also are seeing, um, you know, Maul starting to cause chaos in the yeah. ship, just murdering and just being this wrecking ball moving down the, the lines, yeah, like exclusively using the force, pulling panels off the walls to block blaster bolts. And then as troopers are running away, he pulls one back through the door just enough. So it cuts off the trooper's arm in the blast. So door. now he has a calm link that he can listen now, in on what they're doing. Now, all through both of those sequences, we have this again, synthy, very blade runner style, um, synth track going through which is an echo to where we are again in episode three this is when when maul is fighting those people and ahsoka's figuring out what's going to happen they are mirroring operation nightfall Mm -hmm. that is what's happening over on coruscant Mm -hmm. is you know anakin's march 
on the Jedi Temple to slaughter everyone, and Bail Organa's like arriving to go, whoa, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. Is that Lucas's kid just getting killed? What the heck is going on? <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy again how they're using the musical score to again invoke that echo, always sink you back to exactly where the revenge of the Sith is. Uh, yes, I mean, absolutely. It's the dark moments uh, are mirroring each other because we're on the same timeline. And how much fun is that to experience and play with here? Now, R7 uh, basically is... Uh, oh, R7's of... Oh, I didn't cut. I didn't skip a section. For a second, I thought I skipped something. No, because so we're we, back to the droids. Yeah, so we cut back. The droids here. Uh, R7's rolling down the hallway, and he basically runs in front of Rex, causing him to sort of stumble for a second. Rex yells at the droid. The As doors shut all around him. The rest of the troops run off ahead, and a message plays from Ahsoka over R7 to Rex. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, you know, the message is like, hey, I found the file on fives. I think I know what's going on with you. Let me help you. And it's not your fault. This happened to you when you were very young, when you were a child. Yeah. Yeah. She's and uh, Rex is still or she says like, all right, where are you? <laughs> yeah. Like he's ready to kill her. And she says, I'm right behind you. And as he spins around, shocked to see Ahsoka there, R7 does her a favor, shocks him in the leg and knocks him out. And they're going to drag him off to the medical bay. Now, one thing yeah. I'm going to mention, because it's going to come up again, is. So do you think the one droid here becomes Chopper or parts of him will become Chopper? Because there's a certain amount of Chopper energy to the one droid that has the two arms coming out of his head. definitely know what you mean, yeah. And he's got the little extra antenna coming off his head. I, I, I guess by the end we'll talk about what happens to him, but like I'm guessing that this is just to imply that Chopper, yes, while unique is made of standard parts. There are droids that have the cat voice, for lack of a better term. Yeah, for sure. Um, there are droids that look into But he's he's like definitely it. reminds you of Chopper from Rebels. Oh, absolutely. And all of the droids are going to be incredibly useful here because mm-hmm. they each get a role. You know, one of them is running the medical scanning equipment. Mm-hmm. A couple of them are trying to make sure the clones can't break through the med bay door. And as they're scanning Rex's head in the medical bay, they can't find the chip. Until Ahsoka uses a force chant to yeah, we, uh We get that moment of, of Luke of like, don't trust your targeting computer. You yeah. can't trust the technology. You got to tr- trust your gut. Mm-hmm, and yeah, mm-hmm. she grabs Rex's hand and mm-hmm. we get, I'm one with the force. The force is with me. I'm one with the force. The force is with me. And as she chants it and mantras it, Rex's, in theory, unconscious body <laughs> starts echoing. I'm one with the force. The force mm-hmm. is with me. And then she finds it. She can sense it. Yes. And then in that moment, the machine finds it as well. Mm-hmm. And they're basically like, well, you realize if we remove the biochip, we could kill him. I'm like, I know, but we don't have a choice. Do it. Mm-hmm. And as they start to remove the chip, the clones finally break in. Ahsoka's using her lightsabers to block their blaster bolts, using the force to push them back, knock them out. But because she refuses to kill them, they eventually gain the advantage. And she's yelling at Gigi, shut the door, shut the door. The Mm -hmm. droids can't get the doors shut again. As she takes a shot to the shoulder, loses one of her lightsabers, things are looking grim. And then all of a sudden, Rex wakes up from his surgery, takes out a few of his own brothers with shots from his blaster pistols. And the door slams shut again. And for a brief moment, Ahsoka is so happy to see her friend. And Rex is okay. Uh, 
Yes, <laughs> yes, Rex is doing fine. Now, after Rex saves her, he, you know, he apologizes. I'm sorry, I, I couldn't control myself. But then he tells Ahsoka, you know, the entire Grand Army of the Republic has been ordered to hunt down and destroy the Jedi. It's not just me. It's not just some of us. It's all of us. Right. And that's how the episode ends with the revelation of what Order 66 is sort of dawning on Ahsoka fully. And taking the thread that we kind of got from that lost episode as the audience, that all these troopers have biochips, which mm-hmm. I still looked at as like, oh, that's a thing for the kids to make them accept the fact that, like, you know, there's a lot of little kids who grew up in the Clone Wars and their favorite character is Rex and all of Star Wars. And how how will those kids reconcile? It's like, yeah. OK, well, it's not an order because we don't need you to understand politics and what it means to be a soldier following orders, even if they're wrong, because, you know what, kids, it's not. You're too young to start talking about why Vietnam was a bad idea. What we're going to tell you is they got this chip in their head Mm -hmm. and they don't have a choice. And this massages and gives it the gravity that it needs for that to be a good piece of Star Wars tapestry. Mm -hmm. He's like, it's a thing of when we heard that order, these new memories flood into our heads and we have... This has been yeah. the plan since Sifo-Dyas. Yeah, it's such an interesting thing because we've we've talked about this at length before. Of like, does it sort of um, minimize the clones in any way, or does it you know does it change the implications? And for me, all it does, all it changes is it you know like you said makes it easier for younger viewers to understand for sure. Yeah, but also it adds one extra layer. You know, it's like that seven layer salad. Now it's an eight layer, and it's even better, right? <laughs> One more thing, one more amazing piece of Sidious's ultimate plan. Right. And to be fair, that is the prequels. The prequels yeah. are Sidious's plans and desires. My, and that is what's so and, fun to see. And the other thing is Maul's revelation on that of going like, oh my gosh, that was his master stroke. What I like about that is in some ways, by talking about it the way they've been talking about it, it makes me happy again with what I felt in episode three, which was the... Oh, if the Republic wins, Sidious wins. Mm-hmm. If the Separatist wins, Sidious wins. Yeah. And what I like is like, I love the idea that probably somewhere he's like, the the rebel, you know, I'm sorry, the Republic is my A plan. If everything goes right, if everything breaks my way, if everything goes as I have foreseen, then that will be the best optimal version of this. But if I'm wrong and things go sideways, I probably have similar contingencies like this on the separatist side as well, but it shows how much more he banked Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. the rebel side. Because you can just imagine, like, even if, like, let's say the separatists win, it would be like, oh, great. All right. Order 68. Uh, all all Republic troops are now subservient to the uh, Separatist. And I now, Lord Sidious, head of state of the Separatist, uh, now I rule over everything. Like, that the clones were always going to fall under his command yeah, no matter for what. Sure. For sure. Ultimately, he knew what he was doing. And it's and it's all part of his revenge. And a for a moment that, to be honest, I had experienced last fall, and we have it in the queue for a topic of seeing Order 66 in a visceral way like we did in Fallen Order. Yeah. Um, To have another one of these of a very personal story of Order 66 makes me, A, want to just book of Order 66 vignettes of Mm -hmm. how everyone experiences that Mm -hmm. downfall. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you're in Plowcoon and you see Plowcoon get blasted out of the air and you're some civilian who's like maybe part of that government going like, well, he's 
dead. What happens now? Whose side are they on? Yeah. What uh, What's going to happen to us? Like, I'd love to have, you know, what is going through Plo Koon's head in that moment. What is yeah. going through, you know, getting information would, on each of these Jedi. Because, I mean, you see, like, right now we have a handful of stories. We have Caleb Dunes in the mm-hmm. Kanan uh, mm-hmm. comic book. We have this moment. We have Cal Kestis's yeah. version of this. And it's all these really, really great stories. And to see Ahsoka because, like, we just kind of got, oh, well, Ahsoka never experiences that. She's off on her own, and yeah. so she's not a target of Order 66. So from the second she's back on a Star Destroyer to this moment, this is just a clock ticking of yeah. what's going to happen. And to have it pay off that Rex turns, yeah. he can't fight that. No one can fight that. Like, yeah. he has that little resistance to it, which I like, because mm-hmm. I feel that sells the idea of, why not every clone? Why he has some friends when we meet Rex again in Rebels? Like, not everyone. Like the um, uh, what are they called? The the oddball commando troops that are shown in the arcs like two before this. Um, oddball commando troops. Yeah, the those, Bad Batch. The Bad Batch. Are we talking about? You, you okay. can kind of figure the Bad Batch yeah. might not turn because their biochips aren't working so right. Like all the yeah. other parts of them that aren't working. Well, right. it's going to be interesting because we're getting that Bad Batch uh-huh. TV show, which takes place during Order sixty six and the fallout of it. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. And as a, someone who's one of my favorite books is the Republic Commando series, which is super yeah. duper not canon, cannot be canon, but. They do a same thing of like where one of the clones is literally infatuated, like set to be married to a woman. And, well, she's a kind of scrub Jedi and he's a clone and Order 66 come down and they they have a lot with that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this was delightful. And I think it Mm -hmm. was just pitch perfect. It really is. And it's a great way to end the episode before we get to our finale. So, Mac. Let's wrap this one up and go to our next topic. have the finale the finale of this this film victory and death what a fun name um what an interesting name you know um they've done this you know rebels had a two sort of name finale it was a little different because it had a you know a slash in between uh but this is interesting because victory and death it's describing so much you know uh, mm-hmm. ahsoka rex they survive we know that we know that going into this episode that they are not in fear of dying but we also know that there is a lot of death taking place because of order 66 right and as we'll see in a moment 
Just because you have victory doesn't mean you don't have death, whether it's on the winning or the losing side. And when you're a Jedi, death is the ultimate thing you're trying to avoid. And that is going to be the crux of Ahsoka's final episode here in The Clone Wars. Yeah, the conclusion of The Clone Wars, Dave Filoni saying, unfortunately, probably the last he'll be able to say about certain aspects of this series. Yeah, at least for the you know the immediate future. I, I don't uh, think this is the end of Ahsoka stories being no, told. No, definitely and Rex not. will probably have more stories, but like, Rex, yes. this is, we are tipping the cap. This is probably the last time, <laughs> to be blunt, this is probably the last time that Disney will give this much room for the prequel era material. Boy, I hope not, but we'll, uh, well, we'll I mean, keep I our think fingers they'll, crossed They'll have for more. books, and they'll yeah. ha- it'll be always part of it. I don't think Disney... Disney has no interest in disowning the the prequels, but I feel that like that's not going to be their focus. I think this is the last major triple A production of the prequel era. We'll see. Well, yeah, I guess it depends on what I mean. The Bad Batch. I don't know. We'll find out. I guess that. Oh, that's dark times. You know that it's going to be the opening movie is the start of that. And then everything's Order 66 and after. And I'm sorry. From the second rise, Lord Vader. The prequels are over. We are in the dark times. <laughs> okay, so that's where it starts. That's I how you. I consider it. Yeah, yes. I mean, hey, the Empire has risen legally. They're there to stay. Mm-hmm. All right, so as we start this movie, uh, directed by Dave Filoni, written by Dave Filoni, directed by Nathaniel Villanueva. Uh, so as the clones are cutting through the door, we pick up right where we left off yep. with Ahsoka and Rex. And Ahsoka basically says, hey, uh, set those weapons to stun. We're not going to kill anybody. And Rex is kind of like, Okay, and you, you know they're not. It. You know they're not going to do that for you. It's like, yeah, I know. Yeah, and as they fight their way through, um, they are essentially able, as a team, Ahsoka on defense, Rex on offense, with his stun weapons, able to fight their way out of the medical bay through the clones. Yeah, they basically knock down the squad that was outside the door, and by the time they're worried about reinforcements, one of the droids rearranges all the blast doors and sort of seals them off from the rest of the ship. The droids are really helping them out. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, meanwhile, we have what is one of the most awesome epic moments in all of Star Wars. Maul rushing in to the hyperdrive room. Real quick. Oh, so just want to state... They talk about the fact that all the escape mm. pods have been jettisoned, and yes. that makes it that Ahsoka and Rex's goal is to get to the hangar bay and find a yes. shuttle and get off yes. the ship. That's right. Sorry. Don't want to skip No, I just want to say that because yeah. that's the stakes of what they're going to do from yeah. here. Yes. Meanwhile, Maul has other plans. Maul does have other plans because simple escape, not good enough for him, shows up at the hyperdrive room grabs the hyperdrive with the force and literally collapses it. Crushes it. Blowing up, uh, dragging the ship out of hyperspace, knocking it back into real space, damaging it beyond repair, and sending it on a collision course with an unnamed moon. And during all of this, he's just slaughtering his way forward. It's like the... It's his variation on the Darth Vader hallway scene from Rogue One. There is not a chance of them stopping him. And they don't know that. But he's just murdering through them. And one of the fun callbacks, I think, here is there's a lot of calm chatter because he's got the comm link. So we're hearing all of the comm chatter of the clones. And it's very reminiscent of the Death Star escape scene from New Hope, where it's a lot of like, ah, I think we're splitting up. It's like mm-hmm. Ahsoka Tano has escaped the medical bay. Was Rex helping him? Like, I don't know, sir. And we also have reports that Maul is entering the hyperspace room from the guy who's like giving the report of he's coming here as he gets him and his entire station lifted and thrown. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it's yes. it's yes. really, really powerful. Um, it really, really is. And to see that kind of almost Force Awakens, or I'm sorry, Force Unleashed type moment from a char- another character p- portrayed by Sam Whitmer yeah. um, is really fun. And so Rex and Ahsoka get to like the ga- the the command station that overlooks yeah, the hangar bay. Yeah, yeah. And Rex is like feeling the entire ship shift as it falls out of hyperspace. And he's like asking the droid. And the droid's like, well, we don't know what's going on. Blah, blah, blah. They like goes to the scomp port, logs in, and is like, oh, the oh, I found out what happened. The we've dropped out of hyperspace. We dropped out of hyperspace. It's like, yeah, because the hyperspace room is gone. What do you mean it's gone? <laughs> yeah, basically the ship is crashing. Yeah. Not great. And we've seen, and, you know, we saw the shot of now that it's falling, like, two of the main engines are falling, are ripping themselves apart. Mm-hmm. They're starting to spiral into wreckage and breaking mm-hmm, down. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka asks the hangar, you know, doors to be open, and they see this giant moon falling at them as they're caught in the gravity well. And if that wasn't the worst, from the comm chatter, we learned that they must be going for the hangar base. So Jesse, in full arc armor, brings an entire detachment and is mustered on the floor of the hangar bay, just going like, they must be coming here. We'll be ready for them. <laughs> yes, all of the bays in the side of the hangar open, revealing all of these clones who are trying to stop our two heroes. And this is where Rex sort of gets his big moment. Yeah. Um. So, you know... What are we going to do here? They're talking about their plan. And Ahsoka basically says, I'm not going to kill them. I can't do that to these people. He says, these soldiers, my brothers, want to kill you and are willing to go down with this ship to do it. Mm -hmm. And and she's just like, you're a good soldier. So are they. I'm, they may be willing to die, but I am not going to kill them. Yeah. And it is a really good purposeful Jedi moment and it is Ahsoka showing the growth that she needs to show as a master of the force. And it and I think what it shows the best is Ahsoka is what a Jedi's supposed to be. She's not tied into the dogmatic stuff that the Jedi have whipped around themselves. Mm-hmm, she's mm-hmm. she doesn't care about the council. She's following the will of the force. She knows what's right and what's wrong and she doesn't need a council to figure this stuff out. She just is following her feelings, following what the force is telling her to do. And even in this moment when her life is in danger, where Rex and her are are literally at at like the pit, she goes, I'm still not going to let this change who I am, which is such a great echo forward of the version of her we're going to see throughout Rebels. She is becoming a leader and a confident individual here on her own. And I'm not saying she wasn't before, but I think that is the other side of this. It's her maturity arc. It's her growth arc. And she she gently takes off yeah. Rex's helmet. This is also where I confirm forever that, yes, he has a phase one visor, even though it's phase two trooper <laughs> land. He has a phase two trooper armor, but he still has the T. The yeah. And he's, you can see him crestfallen. He's just like, well, I don't see any other way that we can do this. Yeah, he's got the single tear rolling out of his right eye. Because he's being asked to kill his brothers. He's going to be killed by his brothers in his own mind. Yeah. Um, and Ahsoka looks around and she f- sees a way out. She's like, I think I have a plan. I think it's a good one. <laughs> and then yeah. she musters the droid of like, can I count on you? 
<laughs> and and she can. So their plan is executed. The droids go off to perform their part. And Rex, you know, has Ahsoka basically uh, sort of like pseudo tied up and takes her out to the hangar in front of Jesse as if he's captured her. Basically saying, so here's the deal, Jesse. She is not a Jedi anymore. Hasn't been for some time, in fact. So uh, we don't need to kill her. And he's like, like, Order 66 said to kill... I'm sorry. I have notes here because this is important. You said we're under special orders by Darth Sidious. So they know they're working for the Sith Lord, not the Chancellor. They know they're working for Sidious. Yeah. He's like, to kill Ahsoka Tano and all other traitors. And says what I think is just a great line that, like, if you were holding out hope, Jesse would be one of your good guys. Execute it or I will. Yes, yes. He totally dehumanizes her as mm-hmm. just, she's a thing. Mm-hmm. And and Rex, for his part, lies pretty well. You know, when the lie falls apart, you sell it harder. He's just like, Jesse, you know how important it is. We have to get it right. If we don't get this right, we'll be the ones committing treason. And Jesse looks around and thinks about it for a second. He's like, Rex... I accuse you of treason and non-compliance with Order 66. I hereby drop your rank from commander, commander, and I sentence you to execution. Yeah. And then they just start firing. But luckily, the droids have come through. Yeah. And they're able to raise and lower at will the landing platforms inside of the hangar bay, causing troops to fall and knock themselves out. Yeah, just the floor falls out under the majority of the troopers who were all Mm -hmm. standing on that maintenance bay uh, lift. Mm -hmm. And they all just fall down. And like while Jesse's figuring out what the heck just happened, Ahsoka just pushes him off the edge into the pit with his troopers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is our heroes basically kind of final stand. They're fighting their way through the hangar, still not killing anyone, deflecting blasters back. Rex is on stun. The droids are doing everything they can. And who runs out from the hangar bay who's watching behind a barrel? Basically, all this happened. Maul. Good old Maul. And he sees his move to capture that shuttle that Bo-Katan, you know, they brought back. Yeah. And he's going to steal that. It's the only option they have for escape. The only shuttle they see in the hangar. It's where Rex... Rex and Ahsoka are headed, and Maul manages to get there first. Yeah, because Ahsoka's just like, like, what are you, you know, are you with us? He's like, you wanted chaos. Here it is. <laughs> Here it is. Here it is. And, and he gets in the shuttle, starts taking off. And Ahsoka uses the force, reaches out, grabs onto the shuttle, and is doing everything she can to hold it into place, to stop it from taking off. The engines are whining. Maul is, like, looking over his shoulder of, like, like freaking out just a bit. Well, well, because he's like, I can't shake this. Like, even with my force powers, she's she's got me. Yeah. She needs to let go or I'm not going to escape. (laughs) And the clones are starting to get back into fighting form and they're starting to advance on Rex and Rex is starting to get overwhelmed. One of the droids is getting hit. Yeah. And that's when Ahsoka has this slow motion moment where she's looking at Maul and she looks back over her shoulder and there's just a little tinge of binary sunset Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as she makes the choice to let go. She does. She lets go. Maul exits, flies into hyperspace and she turns around and is able to save Rex before he is overwhelmed by the droids. They're about to be surrounded. So she just cuts a 
arc of the floor out and yeah. they fall down through. Yes, they do. And they're basically now in the maintenance section of the hangar where nothing is flyable. They mm-hmm. run through looking for a ship, looking for a ship. And at the very end of the hangar, finally locate something flyable. Now, there's a whole bunch of troopers who have fallen to this level who are ready to kill them. And we see two of the the two remaining droids kind of look at each other, turn the scomp port, and they get lifted back up to the main hangar bay. They and do. out of their way. And that's when, unfortunately, the one that sounds like Chopper and the other one uh, basically get ex- Order 66 executed. It's just yeah. a, you know, soldiers firing down at a corner, blasting them to bits. Yeah. Jesse basically says, hey, someone take care of those droids. And yeah. that's the end of them. And so, all yeah, all the ships are under maintenance, and then Ahsoka, like, kind of, you know, using the four Cs. No, there is still one, and there's a Y-Wing, a Clone Wars-era Y-Wing, mm-hmm. ready to drop, which is also nice. It's got the the, the yeah. lower hangar open, so it can just drop out of the ship. It's ready to roll. It's dual cockpit, perfect for a couple of passengers. And uh, as they're heading towards it, she uses the force to throw, throw Rex across the gap. Without mentioning that she's going to do that. Yeah. Well, no, he says, get me over there. Right. But so. it's still like this, like she's going and then he just throws it. He's like, oh, yeah. and he's like grabbing onto the hood of it, essentially. Yes, 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 yes. But he makes it. And as he makes it into the cockpit of the ship, he detaches and falls out of the hangar with now, Ahsoka jumping after him. With one, uh, one, one caveat there. Yeah. So the clones are starting to knock well, down yes. Ahsoka's um, defenses. Yes. They're they're gonna get through before yeah. she can get to the Y wing, yeah. and that's when we cut to the bridge and we realize how bad things oh, are for the sure. ship yes, yes, as yes. they lose lateral control. Yes. And like we saw in episode three, the entire ship loses its artificial gravity plane and just. The clones just get spilled, some of them out into space, some of them yeah. just bashing against bulkheads. And that's yeah. when Ahsoka Brutal leaps into be. the dropping Y-Wing. Brutal to be a clone. Oh, it's bad. And this starts uh, Ahsoka's second falling through atmosphere outdoor sky adventure yes. of the arc. Uh, so a little foreshadowing we got there in the first episode. But basically Ahsoka's running down debris outside of the ship, trying to catch up to Rex, you know, jumping, arms outstretched, can't she's, quite grab the cockpit. Because she's so close, but then she slides off the back. And mm-hmm. so she's just running along the wreckage pieces that are falling off the Star mm-hmm. Destroyer, using them to gain speed and Right as she's about to get there, she doesn't have enough. She doesn't get close enough. And she's grabbing with the force to try and make those last few inches up. And we see her face falter. She's like, I'm not going to make it. And in that moment of doubt, the force just gives her just those last two inches. Yeah. She grabs the the gunner and pull, the gunner position and pulls herself in. Yes. And then they are able to make it away. As the wreckage is falling around them, Rex is piloting them away and lands them um, outside of the debris field. And we just have this, like, she's safe. And then Rex and her are like, yeah, we made it. And then we see outside the cockpit window, the Star Destroyer falling to the the moon. And there's this somberness of, like, everyone on that ship's dead. Yeah. No one's going to survive that crash. No one. And there's no ships for them to escape. All the escape pods were already jettisoned. There's no way for those, in Rex's case, there's no way any of my brothers made it out of there alive. And unfortunately, that is confirmed uh, when we see sort of one of the final shots 
on the planet. Now, this moon is unnamed still in Star mm-hmm. Wars canon, but basically we see Rex gathering supplies, packing up the Y-Wing, salvaging things from the wreckage, and we see Ahsoka has buried all of the bodies of the clone troopers and, uh, you know, use their helmets as grave markers yeah, we for have these, them. Yeah, these sticks and these helmets, and it's just this this memorial. Is it sticks or is it their rifles? Oh, maybe it's their rifles. You're, I think you're right. I didn't I look. You're right. Maybe I didn't look close enough. No, I think that's right. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, basically mounds of dirt with their helmet stuck above them over top. And we see and different trooper helmets here. We see some of the 332nds. We see Jesse's helmet as one yeah. of the final shots here. And it's just an incredibly and, somber moment. And I get the feeling that, like, this is who they could find. This was, like... This was all that's left. Yeah. Like the people up in the bridge, they got vaporized yeah. on re-entry. Like For sure. the some of the people are just paced on the walls. Like yeah. this went really, really bad. And when we get the final moment of where Ahsoka needs to symbolically die here. Yeah. Yeah. Ahsoka basically looking out, you know, to me, this is her oh my gosh, you know, maybe I can't be a part of this moment anymore. She drops her lightsaber, you know, her one remaining saber, because the other one was lost, still on the destroyer, and she turns and walks away. And she she drops it. She yeah. just leaves it there yeah. to go on to whatever new life. And we know she's going under a new life because she now has a new long gray hooded robe that she's yeah. wearing, which is her signature first appearance in Rebels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in between there, we know there's a little bit of Ahsoka story, uh, also in that Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnson. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, that takes place in between the two. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's a little bit of retconning there. I was reading some notes about how the fact of, like, there's a few canon misconnects, but this is this is canon. This, yeah. this is still the more important, bigger headlining stories. So yeah. while there's just a few foibles, it's still really great to see those moments yeah. play out. It still takes, you know, it yeah. still takes you to where she goes after this and yeah. then how she gets back into the fray. So some of the like sort of retrospective stuff that the novel gave yeah. is now like a, well, it's from a certain point of view. That's the best way to it's put it. It's from Ahsoka's memory. So, uh, so yeah. then we basically see them, you know, we get the implication they leave mm-hmm. and we're seeing, you know, the memorial and stuff. And then we start transitioning to a wider background as a Lambda class shuttle starts landing an Imperial shuttle yeah. lands. Yeah. And we start seeing probe droids and snow troopers and stormtroopers walking around. So we are obviously a couple of years down the pike mm-hmm. and snow has covered the wreckage mm-hmm. of the venerator. And then we see a very familiar black cloaked figure moving through the snow. Yeah, as we hear the breathing as well, mm-hmm. we see snow troopers and probe droids and we see Vader come up. He surveys the wreckage. You know, we know this has probably been at least a little bit of a time jump. He reaches down. He finds Ahsoka's saber in the snow, turns it on, looks at it, examines it, and then looks up above him to see... Uh, what the heck? That thing has a name. The owl, the daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the name of that thing? It's got a name. Um, it's like it begins I with an M. I can't remember Maudry, the top Maudry, Maudry, something like that. We'll I get it like. in the appendix. Yeah, I, I can't remember I, off the top uh, of my head. But yes, the, yeah, the idea that, look it up. that Ahsoka has lived on, we get the symbolic proof of that. Now, Vader probably can't interpret that that way, but we as the audience do. And then Vader's just holding the lightsaber out and he holds it with both hands, which is also weird since that's not how he fights with lightsabers as Vader anymore. Yeah. And then he turns it off 
and very importantly, keeps it mm-hmm. um, and turns back to us, the audience, and starts moving towards us. And I'm like, I mentioned in the previous episode that fact of like, I believe he kept Ahsoka's lightsaber as this totem of her. And he probably repaired them and put the blue crystals in there because he was trying to connect mm-hmm. with her. And I feel like that continues here. Vader is still fetishizing these attachments he can't let go of. If you've played, we've we've talked about part one. We are planning to get to part two and three mm-hmm. of Vader Immortal, where he never gave up on Padme. We saw that in the, the yeah. new comic book, too. Yeah. Like, this is a man who is incapable of letting go. Um, and it's so sad. And then we just sort of pan past him or zoom past him. And then we just are focused on the memorial and we see one of the Ahsoka helmets you know uh with the orange paint on it half buried in the snow and our last lingering shot of the clone wars is on a clone wars helmet representing the bygone era that's left in the snow here an unbelievable final shot to end it on i mean when that time jump happens and you see vader and you see that this is now a slightly different environment and that he has this sort of final connection to ahsoka and when he sort of looks up there you can for a very brief moment see anakin's eyes through the lenses of vader's helmet and just there's just just a really fantastic way to end it on the shot of jesse's helmet there um an incredibly emotionally powerful yeah. moment, um, an incredibly beautiful cinematic moment in, in this entire episode. And just toned perfectly. It mm-hmm. just hits exactly the way, like, I assume the way they wanted. Because yeah. I remember a certain amount of satisfaction and numbness, mm-hmm. both watching it back in May and mm-hmm. now. <laughs> yeah, I... <sighs> You're absolutely right. Numbness is a good way to describe it. I don't know. I've seen these four episodes, I don't know, maybe five or six times now I've watched them, you know, Mm -hmm. together the whole way through. Uh, And it's not that it's not celebratory when it's over. It's just it ends on such an empire-like downbeat that you're not ready for that for ending a show, especially when we know Ahsoka's story isn't over. We know Rex's story isn't over. It's something that our storytelling, especially in the Western uh, lands, we're, we're very opposed to. And it's something that episode three did brilliantly. And this echoes that of this is how you tell a satisfying tragedy. Mm-hmm. Because while Ahsoka will go on to fight another day and Vader will get redeemed and there mm-hmm. are hopeful elements. Yeah, we'll there's get still from, hope. There's still hope from this moment on. The reason I think that shot ends where it does is this is the tragedy of the Grand Army of the Republic. You know, these, I mean, Ahsoka and Maul talk about the being used by powers bigger than them. There is no one more used than the rank and file clone trooper. Mm -hmm. They are literally designed for war, a war they never have any politics with. You know, they're just here to fight it. And when those politics shift, their purpose shifts and they stay put. And to be honest, from here out, and we already saw it. They're phased out. They are. This there will be no the more clone troopers. They will be replaced by stormtroopers. Heck, I mean, when we see Vader here, he doesn't have any more clones around him. Nope. Um, and it's it's just a poignant reminder of just, again, I think the, the tip of the cap is the senselessness of war, which is something mm-hmm. that Star Wars is not very good at saying because it has war as the second word in its title. So they yeah. really can't make a lot of peaceful commentary because Mm -hmm. the action the central tension of this is always a war but this is i think a very thoughtful way of talking about the cost yes for sure um 
So let me ask you. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna just say that was great. Yeah. Now let's just talk about the episode and its impact. Yes. And the one thing I want to ask you, which I was deeply thinking about, um, did you find the name of that bird? I know you were poking at it. Oh, for a I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, let's see. I I was very close. When I said, I think I said, what, Mordai, I think is the attempt I gave. Yeah. Uh, it is Morai. A Morai. I, I added a D. Oh, that makes sense. It's M-O-R-A-I. Yeah, I which is probably D. from Latin meaning death. Because um, Mors is death in Latin. That's probably where it's coming from. Um, so, when I saw that, this time, the second time watching mm. it, like, thoughtfully, I couldn't help but think of, like, when I first saw this back in May, I took this as, okay, like... Maybe a year tops after after the you know episode three is when this scene happens. And my idea is Vader has been searching for the wreckage of yeah. this venerator class because you know to the galaxy at large it disappeared. Yeah, and he's like he needs that closure and he for looks sure. for it. Now I've got a different read on it, mm. which is I'm curious of like is this maybe what Vader does after he learns Ahsoka is still alive? You know, the apprentice lives. I wonder if he goes, you know, I've been avoiding for my own emotional trauma going to that planet where that class went. I'm going to go privately there. I'm going to make sure she died because now that I know she's alive, what happened? Because I thought she died on that planet with, you know, um, all those troopers. I'm going to go investigate myself. I don't trust the official report anymore. Oh, interesting. I don't read it that wouldn't be what i would put the money on now the for first me, thing is there's no way to know there's no way to know <laughs> so yet. this is no. all just speculation until we get more information i would have put my money more on your first opinion of it's been a few months he's now in the armor he's got his new lightsaber he wants to find out what happened to his apprentice he needs to know yeah i yeah that's mine and again yeah. i think that's the more straightforward it's it's the... because that would be a fifth plus year gap you'd be talking about if he right. already knew Ahsoka but was he, alive. But as we already know from the canon that exists, he's a very busy boy for those 15 years. He is. He's got a lot He's got a plate. lot going on. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, it, it begs the question of how much does Anakin cut himself off from yeah. opening those doors yeah. and how many and or, you know, because I think you can read it either way in the sense of he definitely needs closure on Ahsoka. Yes. Now the question is: is that is that closure just not wanting to know? Sort of like he did when she was gone for a couple of months, where he, I'm sure, desperately wanted to go like Facebook stalker, but decided <laughs> not to. Yeah. Um, or or not. But I mean, I think the great thing is, no matter which way it reads, it's this just wonderfully pensive moment of Vader, desperately. You know, even in these four episodes, he doesn't get that reunion with Ahsoka he desperately wanted. Right. He doesn't get his daughter back. No, he doesn't. And in fact, I mean, he knows. Unfortunately, we don't get to really see it in episode three on the surface. But he knows that his decisions are why he loses Ahsoka the same way he knows deep down his decisions are why he loses Padme. Right. Even if there are other factors at play. He takes that blame and internalizes it, I think. Right. And it's just, it's it's good. It is. I mean, I want to see more. I would love an entire animated Darth Vader show, obviously. But I would love a pretty much animated show about anything. So let's make it happen. Well, we're going to get the Bad Batch, so we're going to do that. So, okay, let's go. Yeah, they're really taking my anything literally, aren't they? Uh, Yeah. They love clones, dude. It's a huge... There are 12 years of people who this is their gateway point for Star Wars. They want more clones. The fact that it's taking place 
after Order 66, essentially, Mm -hmm. excites me. The fact that it's not just more Clone Wars stories excites me. And I can't wait to see what the first few years of The Dark Times feels like. Oh, for sure. We haven't seen that in in New Canon. All right, let's go break the rest of this down and talk about the whole thing and close this thing up. Let's do it. Well, that's it. That's the end of the Clone Wars. That's the end of our show. Man. What a day. Yeah. What a journey. It's only like an hour and 20 minutes, but it sure feels like a lot more than that. Well, I think this movie gets more done than any uh, movie since uh, since episode three. Just saying. Well, I guess it's longer than that, isn't it? It's really more like an hour 40. But still, not a, you know, it's it's But still it's tight. A... It's brilliant. Ooh, it's resonant. A it's, lot happens. It's so good. Um. It's great. I mean, when you envision a finale for the Clone Wars, you know, I loved the season five finale and I we, loved the season six. I say we ended up with three great endings to yeah, this show. We really, and it's great because really like did. when you got to Ahsoka being pushed out of the order and she leaves and you go, oh, OK, this was Ahsoka's story. That's why we're leaving now. And that's why yeah. we can accept it being done. Mm hmm. And then the lost episodes come out and you're like, oh, these are just filling the gaps. And they're like, no, no, we end in a place that, yeah, it's technically filling a gap. It doesn't have to necessarily happen at the end of the show. But like we end in such a place where we are ready for the post Clone Wars content to open up. And then we have all the rebel stuff linking all these little bits and bobs of where Ahsoka's been and like filling in some gaps for us of where this is. And then at the end of the season seven, they're like, no, no, no. Rogue One has come out. The the sequel trilogy has come out. Um, we have seen everything. The Rebels have happened. We know all this story. And we're going to ball that all up mm-hmm. to wrap up our Clone Wars. And it's going to be this amazing mm-hmm. celebration of the cinema of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And we are going to go pull out all the stops narratively, spectacle-wise, technologically, budget-wise. <laughs> and we are going to... Give Clone Wars its very deserving send-off. Yes. Yes. And, I mean, in every account, every opinion, they succeeded. I mean, these episodes are, I don't know anyone who doesn't like them. I mean, they're well-revered by every Star Wars fan. Um, You know, on IMDb, 9.8, 9.9, 9.9, 9.9. Like, you know, just universally loved and appreciated and... Fans are just grateful that these exist. This is the reason that I'm in the camp of people saying, for Disney, Kevin Feig runs Marvel. Mm -hmm. Dave Filoni should run Star Wars. (laughs) Because it just shows how masterfully he gelled all these disparate generations. I mean, we talked about there's the Kylo Ren mind stealing. There is the I'm one with the force, the force is with me. There is just... You know, Maul and the Syndicate and Dresden Voss, like he gels everything that's happened since the end of Clone Wars into a thoughtful distillation that feels Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. for none of this stuff feels like fan service. It all feels like, well, of course they were there because Star Wars is a living, breathing place. And this is a document of what's happening over there in that galaxy far, far away. Sure, for sure. Um, And 
it's just, it has something for everyone. And while it's telling a lot of new stuff, it is doing the right amount of echoes to things we've seen before. Mm -hmm. It is also trusting the audience that, as I mentioned all the way through, these little sound cues, that's enough to remind you subconsciously of where you are in relationship to episode three. We don't have to put, we don't have to remind you of all this. You've seen episode three. You yeah. know where we are you know. if I just remind you here and there. Yeah. Because um, I think to me, running through episode two and three especially, the closing dread of knowing where we are in time yeah. and feeling the clock counting yeah. out is so palatable and it's done so subversively. It's there's my, no there's no push. They're yeah. not putting, uh, as they would say, they're not putting hanging a lantern on it to just remind you of like, oh, I need to go get General Grievous. Remember that scene? Yeah. I'm going to that yeah. scene. They're just like, I have to go encounter General Grievous yeah. on Utapau. And we the, leave it at that. You know what's going on. It is the best. It's my favorite thing about all of this is the yeah. way that they play with the timeline and they add tension Without having to say it, the only time where I kind of um, will counter what you just said of where they do feel like they call it out a little bit is when Rex is giving the, here's what Order 66 is. Oh, sure. And I'm not saying that shouldn't be there. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm not even saying I don't want it there. I think it's great. I'm just saying... They do an amazing job. That's the one time where watching the episode, it sure. kind of stood out to me a little bit of like, this feels like a, hey, do you remember what Order 66 is? Well, like and, and like I said, for me, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. And I think the statement of Order 66 is we're going to kill the Jedi because they're traitors. Yeah. But I think the reason that's there narratively is and any clone who helps yeah. them. For Which sure. has not been spelled out before. For we didn't sure. have to spell that out because all the clones sure. just go crazy and Cody very, just starts very, shooting Obi-Wan. Very and good point. Setting up the stakes of Rex, whether we think that he was fighting it and he's just playing along now or he's been taken over, he states for you, no, yes. no. Yeah, I have to kill her. Yeah. That's our job. For sure. And also go kill Maul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, him we don't care about. Kill him. Well, no, we're going to kill both of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, we need to hunt down Ahsoka. Go execute Maul. Yeah, we know where he is. Yeah. He hasn't gotten up anywhere. <laughs> Go shoot that fish in the barrel. Yeah, he wasn't on a smoking break. Um, and and uh, yeah, it's it's just, it's so good. And it reminds me of what I saw in The Mandalorian. Now, as Mandalorian is a love letter to me and all the things that have formed my Star Wars, you know, whether it's, hey, it's all about Mandos or, hey, look, it's all about the side, you know, the common folk of the galaxy or, hey, Mac, you know, you love ships. Here's how a TIE fighter could land. <laughs> oh, we're going to also confuse you because Rise of Skywalker is going to countermand that. You figure out what it is. Yeah. Um, but like, it's full of all things I love. But both of them show how you can synthesize while telling new stories mm-hmm. and showing new angles mm-hmm. and playing with the galaxy. Mm-hmm. What a steady hand like a Dave Filoni can do when he goes, I've learned from George. I know what what percentage of new and old needs to be there for it to feel like Star Wars. Saying that, you know, something doesn't feel like Star Wars or something doesn't fit. This will never survive. Star Wars will never survive if we have that mentality, you know, of saying we can't grow the universe. We can't follow a different type of story or a different type of character. You know, if that's honestly what you believe, then there's no point in any new content coming out because nothing will ever be new and fresh. 
And you know what? I know there are a lot of people out there who say, you know what? It should just be the three movies just, and that's it. Just lock it in a time capsule. It's that forever. But and it that, will die to in me, darkness. Is insanity. I well, can't understand or relate to that. It also bewilders me from like, really? There's nothing since then. Not a single part of the canon is something you go, well, I mean, I like that one video game, or I like TIE Fighter, or that yeah. one book series. I like Corn Horn. Like, like, there's nothing else in the galaxy. And, and the thing is, yeah. once you attach yourself to something beyond yeah. those three movies, you realize, no, it should be bigger than those three movies. Yeah. <laughs> Still planning a Corn Horn episode, by the way. Working we, on it. I need to we know who the, Yeah, I should go figure out who that person is. Um, How do you not know? I vaguely well, know. I, I, I know. vaguely know, but it's not. I know the horn. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I think, I, I don't want to put it all this praise on Dave Filoni, but I feel Dave Filoni is such a great guardian of Star Wars. And the reason is because he has been on that journey that so many people are going on now, Mm -hmm. like disillusionment and like, that's not how Star Wars is and all that kind of stuff. He went through that back in 2006 when George George was like, so what we're going to have is the story is going to focus on uh, Anakin's apprentice, apprentice, this uh, snippy young girl. Anakin doesn't have an apprentice. Oh, doesn't he? And, you know, Lucas can throw that depth charge in the water and make those reverberations of like, oh, yeah, no, I wrote episode three. Yeah, she has an apprentice. I know what I wrote. She's in the margins. <laughs> well, how does she not show up in episode three? That's what you're going to write, Dave. That's what you're going to write. And I'm going to help you. And I feel Dave Filoni has grown in that way and learned and deconstructed Star Wars after working on it for 12 mm-hmm. or for him. It's like a 15 year journey since yeah. he was hired to build that studio. Yeah. Um, to go through that journey and realize what actually is essential. And it's like art, you know, how do you know this is a piece of art? You just know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's got a better handle on Star Wars than anyone else. And just like Kevin Feig, like we're going to go in new places because this has to keep growing. It has to keep expanding and going in new different directions and inviting new audiences to get in here. And here's the thing. Don't worry. Trust me. I know where the, where the bumpers are. I, we're not going to ruin Star Wars. Just trust me. Yeah. And like Kevin Feig, I think he's earned that trust through multiple scary journeys that turned out to make the universe better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not only us here on this show, obviously, but pretty much any Star Wars fan who is at the level of listening to a Star Wars podcast <laughs> or is, you know, watching the Clone Wars is going to know who Dave Filoni is and know that his name is essentially a stamp of approval. And uh, yeah. it's a great thing to have right now in these uncertain, dark, apocalyptic times. Because I will say, this was one of, and again, a second time, what a wonderful bright point in a very, very ugly year. Mm-hmm. Um this celebration and to be honest thematically really really heavy dark episode with a light kick at the end makes me go that yeah we'll get out of 2020 it might be 2021 or 2022 but we will get out of 2020 eventually eventually, yes and a new season of the mandalorian is just what we need to get us there (sighs) can't wait we've never been closer this is the closest we've ever been but until next wednesday i'm mac And I'm Ross. And may the Force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. 
Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.